Welcome to the Bridging the Generation podcast. I'm your host, Malak Arif, and coming to the platform today, I have a very, very special guest. Uh, my next guest is an accomplished singer slash songwriter. He's also a multi-platinum recording artist with hits such as If I Ever Fall in Love, Comforter, Baby I'm Yours, Come With Me, and it's an honor and pleasure to bring to you to the Bridging the Generation podcast, a member of one of my favorite 90s R&B groups, Dr. Garfield Bright of the group Sha. Let's go. man it's good to see you man you look good brother thank you man likewise just reflection you know how i go hey no doubt no doubt man well look i'm a huge fan diehard shy fan man like it's so much i want to tackle i don't want to hold you but brother you you're very accomplished man as far as what you have done in your life and your background but i want to go to the beginning man i want to go to the beginning and we go go to you know uh to, to the present so with that being said, before you say anything, how you doing, man? Like, I, I, you, I wanna, you know, with so much going on with the COVID and everything, man. How, how, how you, how's everything maintaining with that, brother? Man, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm a vegan, so you know, a lot of, I don't really get sick, you know, knock on some wood, I guess. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm good, bro. And um, you know, and I, you know, I don't really need a crib unless you know I'm going to get some food. No doubt. I'm doing a lot of intellectual stuff, a lot of projects I'm starting up and I've been okay. working on utilizing that time where, where life has been shut down to kind of like start new streams of income okay. and, and, and kind of reinventing certain ways to kind of interface with people. And so now it's the culmination point. A lot of the stuff I've been working on, it's time for it to come out. Like I'm finished. It's time to, no you doubt. know, I'm, I'm in a good space, man. Mentally, I'm, you know, because you, you always got to feel like you got some kind of goal that you're working towards, man. Mm. Validation, like you can't just be sitting around, just you know, you just you waste yeah. it like that. Like mental, well, me, I know me, especially after yeah. going to school all them years and <laughs> hardcore, and then all of a sudden, yeah, oh, yeah, I gotta figure out where <laughs> that going. So you know, so yeah, man, and it made me really see like our people, like you know, when they in solitary confinement in jail, when they locked down twenty three out of the twenty four. This is a sample of it. I can see how that can really just like psychologically yeah. just. Whoo. Nah, nah, you know that's facts, mean? brother. That's that's facts, man. So you know, I, you know, hey, before we uh, continue, man, you know, I had to get into this curiosity college, man. I've been, I've been, I've been following on the gram lately, man. Let's talk it up. Let's talk about that before we even get started, man. Like I, I've really had a lot of questions. Um, I got partners and friends of mine. They wanna, they wanna know more about that, man. How did you get started? You know what, what, um, uh, inspires you, man, to start, uh, you know, giving these little, you know, making these videos, man. I think it's really dope. Talk a little bit about that, brother. Well, it, yeah, it's curiosity collage and um, collage. I apologize. Collage, yeah. But no, you know, it has an educational slant, so I, that's a play on words. I like that. I'm a, I'm a word dude. I like that. <laughs> no I doubt, like, no doubt. I didn't even think of that, but I like that. Yeah. Um, but no, it just came out of like, I got, like 
even in an academic, an academic sense, we're we're like we're taken away from using our imagination and dreams. Mm. And there's certain authors who I found I, I saw myself in um, Robin D.G. Kelly and Zeus Lee. Mm. We talk about imagination and dreaming as a part of an academic trajectory. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's ill that they're trying to like you know you know yeah yeah affect in the academic sense and. Me as a child, there's so many questions that I used to have that were just never answered that mm. I refer to adult authority because I'm the kid. I'm like, well, they doing it. I guess it's, you know, and so many right. times we've done that, that we forgot about how many times we've done that and established right. baselines of our identity that we built on top of that were okay. never vetted, that were never truly yeah. resonated with us. We just because yeah. it was like, okay, we just like, okay. And we tucked it away. And I'm like, nah, I'm doubling back on that. And I no feel doubt. like people, probably feel the way I, I, I feel and it, it, it might spark some things in certain people who have done that even with other subject matters that they might revisit mm. just because I'm doing it and then the things yeah. that I'm doing it might spark some in them like I don't know how many people really thought about the days of the week like that like um, yeah. and I've been one tonight it, start, it comes out of eight o'clock um the word hey, but they, I, I, um, are these like you know like are they pre-recorded or you doing live because I, I don't want to miss it man because I've been I've been I've been, I've been, keep, I've, been I've been doing I've been watching them for the past couple of weeks and I think it's real dope man but go ahead I didn't do it live I thought about it but I wanted to really 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 like get my deep my thoughts out and get it you know because it's only ten on IGTV you only get ten minutes so I wanted oh, to be okay. I wanted to be precise in what I say and mm-hmm. have that window being well represented by like by the content so okay. I'm pre-recording but I think I'm gonna have a Kind of like a not a rebuttal because I don't want to create mm-hmm. that, but I think I'm gonna have a space in between every maybe four episodes, right? Where I'm gonna open it up, go live, and be like, yo, anybody got any questions on you know that yeah, kind of yeah. thing? So I think based on what you're saying, I'm, I'm gonna do it, and I'll let you know, I'll alert you. you yeah, know. I want to tune in, man, because I, you know I look at the uh, a lot of times I look at the comments, man, and people are very interested, man. When 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 they when you talk, man, you have a presence, you have this aura about yourself, man, where people. You know, people gravitate to you not just because of who you are as an artist, but because this you have this intangible about you know that people Dang, just thank you, bro. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's, that, it's, the, it's that, what they call it the je ne sais quoi. Ah, <laughs> speak that French, bro. Speak that. <laughs> yeah, man. So again, man, my platform. This is how we do on this platform, man. You know, it's bridging the generations, man. What I do is like I'm trying to bridge the gap between. I don't like to say the old to the new, because to me, brother, looking at you, you definitely not old. Well, thank but, you, man. You but know, I'm, I'm fifty one. <laughs> you're not fifty one. Stop it. You're not fifty one, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm fifty one, man. Yo, that's crazy, man. How you feel though? I don't feel fifty one. Like what I thought it was gonna be before I got here years ago is not what yeah. I feel like now that I'm in it. Man, but thank know, God, brother. That makes me feel good. I'm in my forties, man. So oh, man, you, you yeah. friend chicken, veteran. <laughs> So, yeah, like I was saying, brother, man, what I do, man, is I try to bridge the gap, man, bridge the generation between the past and the present, man. And, you know, I think artists like yourself, man, me being a diehard, a fan of yours, vividly remembering when you guys came out. You know, I want the younger generation, man. I got to we got to put some respect on 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 cats like your name, man. And I know, you know, there's other platforms that's out there, but this is the only platform I feel that that's my agenda. That's it's what's too, up, man. I bridge the gap. You know, I make it my duty and my mission, man. I don't want nobody to forget. Not that they are, because brother, look, got the CDs and they're ah! like, come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, we we not playing no games over here. I don't so, even brother, have those. 
<laughs> Yo, you you lying. Stop. Every it. time I get a CD or something, you know, well, one, I don't have anything to play it on because where it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's outmoded. But every man, time I'm going I'm to I'm I'm send these to you, man. I got like nah, copies. Nah, you, know, <laughs> you send them to me, I'm going to sign them and something send them back to you. Cause Yo, you know, word. I pre- yeah, I'll definitely work. Yes, sir, for sure. Brother, brother, say less, I man. So, you know what I mean? That's dope. Hey, man. Hey, I appreciate I got some vinyl for you, too. I got some vinyl, oh, too. That's even doper right there. Yeah. Oh, that's in the closet. I ain't want to flex too hard. <laughs> wow. The only vinyl I have is the, when we got our platinum flax, and that's, that's you know, painted with the little platinum on up. <laughs> so that's not, I, that's, that's not real platinum? Oh, of course not. It can't. <laughs> case, like they just painted platinum. You know, I wish you they're not heavy enough to be real. Flat. Yeah, yeah, brother. That's symbolic. I, I had to ask. I had to ask. Symbolic, man. bro. Symbolic, man. No doubt, no doubt. So look, man, let's get started, brother. Brother Garfield, man. So look, I want to go back to the beginning, man. Where exactly are you from, brother? Okay, so I'm a mutt. I was I was born in Nashville, Tennessee, in Meharry Hospital, Davidson County. Okay. For people who know that, but I didn't okay. live there like long. I, as soon as I was born, my parents mm. moved to Knoxville, and I was living in this real, real like rural country area. I'm a country mm. called Raccooley Village, and it was like this dope neighborhood, man. It was almost like one of the neighborhoods that you would like people might write movie scripts, like no doubt. That's we crazy. Like 60 families, but we all knew each other, and it was just like every all the kids. We had fights. We played together. We did, you know, the whole coming of age stuff. We ran miles to the nearest store together. We got chased by dogs. We went up in apple trees and ate the old man's apples and ate the green ones. So we had the runs. We did all yeah. that together, right? And then I moved to um, Montgomery, Alabama from there at age six. Mm. And um, my dad and mom um, lived there. They worked for Alabama State University. And okay. I, I was I was I became the kid on Alabama State's campus that whenever you saw the basketball team at the game, I'm the kid that's yeah. sitting on the bench with the players that at halftime, I'm the little bad kid on the court shooting ball. Yeah. I'm supposed to be out there. I'm out there or in the football game <laughs> on the side when I'm up in the game. Right yeah. You know, I, I was that kid in, in the college. Oh, but I actually went to the classes and stuff too because my mom was okay. actually in school, so I was going to the classes at night and sitting in. the you know, so I knew I was going to end up going to college just because, you know, and then my first through third grade um, was actually a um, early childhood education program that was on the okay. campus. So mm. I was the early childhood center. And it was crazy because that school produced like this uncanny amount of PhDs and stuff and mm. just with all these black kids. But when you look back at them now, it's like like 30 or 40 percent of those kids became like doctors and you know, right, right. mayors and like Mayor Stephen Reed from Montgomery. He came from that school, like all of our. OK. You know, I learned about the concept of Kwanzaa from that school because it was a young lady named Kwanzaa. Right, right. So in first grade, for show and tell, she presented her uh-huh. name. So I knew about Kwanzaa way before my peers. You know, when I got to Howard, everybody learned. I was like, oh, Kwanzaa? You <laughs> didn't know about that. That's, all, that's, old, that's old news. And then from there, I, um, um, I moved to um, Atlanta for a brief moment. My dad, I, you know, my, my parents got divorced. I moved my dad to Atlanta. And then okay. he got promoted in the National Education Association to Boston. And that mm. I moved with him to, to Beantown, like right out, like right during my eighth grade year. Okay. When I came of age, you know, I was I was young in school because I could read early. So I was like 12 um, when I moved to Boston. Okay. And, I, and I was there all the way through college. Like, so that became like the bulk of, like I mm. stayed there longer than any other place, but I'm from all those places to get to there. So I always just say I'm from Boston, but I'm yeah. really from like Tennessee, right, Alabama, right. Atlanta, and then right, Mass- right. 
Yeah, yeah. You spent what they would call it. That you spent your your formative years in 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 um exactly. Boston. Yes, sir. So, you yeah. know what I'm saying. So so look, because I remember when you guys came out, like everybody was saying, you guys from Washington D.C. Man, well, Howard, you know Howard. All of us be met at Howard. Yeah, I, I know. You see, I got the. You know, I got the. I'm representing. That's that's my city, man. Bro. So I, we 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 accept, we we really was like really trying to hold on to y'all. Cause we thought y'all was from DC, man, and you know later on it comes DC, out. Man. That's like I, I still say that you know, cause even though I'm from Boston, like yeah. if you go to college at 17 years old, you still okay. a baby. My yeah. 17 year olds through 21 year old life, like I got uh -huh. married, I was in the nation. It was a lot of stuff that I did while I was in DC. I played ball. I used to go to okay. the play ball 17th and P and stuff like that. We used to ball out. So you, you remember? You remember when Jay Walker was there? Yeah, Jay Walker was my boy. <laughs> yeah. Yo, where's Jay Walker at, man? The last time I seen him was in uh, Reston, Virginia, man. Reston, man, Virginia, right back in 2001. I was living in Reston, too, but I remember, yo, that's crazy that you mentioned him. We used to ball. Yeah, that's crazy that you mentioned yeah, him. Jay Walker, that's man. That was dope, man. He, he was dope. He was, he could ball. Right. He was a dope dude. Like, he yeah, was a, yeah. That brother was all right, man. So, yeah, um, yeah. But nah, so so look, so let's, let's go back a little bit, man. Let's go back a little bit. Now, you know, you have you have a very amazing talent, man. Like I said, man, you have this that like I said, man, the intangibles, man. You always like just seeing you on stage, man. I always know that like something about this brother, man. And I ain't gonna really go into details, but something about you always stood out. So being a young kid, man, what was you know, what what um influenced you or what inspired you to really get into music? You know, when did you realize like I am good at singing? This is crazy to tell this story. It's ridiculous. I was oh, hey, the, the fans want to know. The fans, <laughs> especially the ladies, man, they want to know this one, man. Well, it was a lady. Well, okay, so early on, like, I didn't grow up in a traditional, like, gospel kind of, like, household, like mm. a lot of, you know, people in R&B. Um, I learned about gospel music, like, after when I got to Howard and heard Joe, Joe to see singing, like, commission kind of riffs. That's when I started learning mm. about it. But for me, it's my dad, mission, man. <laughs> man, like I, I really wasn't a gospel dude. Yeah. When I heard that brother sing, that was my guy. Like I, that guy is dope, you know. To me, no, hold on, hold on. Time, time. Which one you said? Which, which brother? You, uh, Fred Hammond from Commission. Oh, Fred Hammond. Yeah, because he yeah. used to be him and uh, Marvin Sapp. Yep, he's dope too. But you know, yeah. all of them were dope actually. Yeah, but then his dope. story come about that guy. Man. Yeah. Like, Wait in the midnight hour. That's <laughs> yeah, like the way. But um, but what happened? Go ahead, was, brother. Go ahead. When I, when I was young, my dad like was the household was full of jazz. Like I'm a jazz. Mm. I come from a and not like Kenny G that type of stuff. I mean straight ahead, like real mm. stuff. John Coltrane, of course, Miles. Those are the cliches. But Amari Jamal, yeah. and then you got like Gordon. Johnny Hartman and mm. you know, um Sarah Vaughn and Carmen McRae and all these kind of people and stuff. You know, I was really into jazz music and those kind of melodies really did it for me. And um, minor keys and stuff. So, because I couldn't hear, and, and because of that, the people who I gravitated to in R and B were kind of like, like Stevie Wonder is my favorite artist of all time. Like, but it's the big three. Like, I made of the big three. Same here. I want to hear your. I hate to interject, brother. I really don't like to do this. But you brought you 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 struck a nerve when you say Stevie. That's my <laughs> favorite artist. So I want to hear your big three. And and and. and can I have permission to give you my big three? I want to. I want to oh, yeah, see. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I want. I want to hear Doctor Garfield Bright. Well, my big three. big three was is Stevie is just a cut above everybody. Just like a slither above everybody else. 
But um, then I got Donnie and Marvin right, right there, like right up under, like right there, like those three. Some about their songs and their arrangements. I got to see um Donnie Hathaway at Alabama State when I was a little boy, and I remember his sound check was like an hour long. During the time that he was supposed to be performing, he got there and felt like he wasn't set up right. He made people just sit there and wait for him to sound, but his sound check was off the chain. It was doper than the show. And then he, you know, so the way he grabbed me, but, but but all of their arrangements and their harmonies are all different. Like the notes, even Layla, like the notes when she does runs or renditions of other people's songs, the no note that she lands on to express that, like like she'll just do a Sade song and go somewhere. Just mm. so those those three and Stevie's harmonies, Marvin's harmonies. They were different than anybody else's. Like how Prince had his own harmonies, like his mm-hmm. notes and his harmonies. Talk about good. it, man. Let, hey, you you yeah. going into the, the intricacies? Let's go. Let's go. That used to hit me hard. Like I used to swim through that just as a kid, just take that in. And I was fascinated by the concept of harmony. So anything that came on the radio, I wanted to see if I can create a harmonic note with it and carry out progression. And I used to be frustrated when I couldn't do it. And, and I didn't know that I was pledging myself <laughs> from when I was <laughs> in this group called Shot because I never aspired to sing. So when I got in high school and uh, I, I had a habit of like when I couldn't hear someone on the radio, I would hum it or sing it to myself because right. I wanted to hear it so bad. And then um, one time, a, a female, a young lady, um, happened to, you know, that I had a crush on, oh, happened no. to just hear me. And I wasn't even trying to impress her. It, it was like an autonomic nerve. I just was singing something. And mm-hmm. she was like, you got a nice voice. And I was like, what? You know what I'm saying? Let me yeah, yeah. think I can sing. You know what I mean? So based on that feedback, you know, I just kept kind of kept at it. Like, well, you know, a couple girls think I can sing. You know what I'm saying? Because my parents... Right. <laughs> and um, I, I kind of stuck with it, and then in the, the jazz piece, like as a jazz, like the jazz vocals, mm-hmm. really, like I was, I, I could hit certain jazz things way dope when I could gospel influence stuff because I'm not like a power gospel the out, right. you know, with the crazy runs and mm-hmm. you know more tone based and, and 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 just certain nuances and stuff like that to accentuate my sensibilities and the Johnny Hartman in the jazz genre, Johnny Hartman and Sarah Vaughn are my two top of the line mm. and so you know though that that's who i, I looked at and okay. studied and everything and um you know of course like many repertoire and people like that who you hear about you know here yeah. the, the crazy octarine like um trial call quest like sample their voice and mm. then so that it oh, and they kept it a whole song yeah yeah she had that uh eight octave Crazy, so beautiful. Hey, that's crazy she can crack she could damn near uh crack glasses i'm sure she could you know but um, you know, but it's big up to so a lot of the vocalists, like the Patties, the World, and the mm. in front on any of those like so-called right. type artists, they could blow. Right. But just right. the my sensibilities, those chords and those like melody patterns of Steve mm. and Marvin, every time I hear it, it just takes me to another place. Like, like I don't care how old it is, and, and the writing skills and stuff like that. Yeah. Hey, I got the right one tonight. Hey, 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 ladies, I got the right one tonight. We about to go with CC. You know, this is what I'm talking about. This is this is why you're here, brother. Because again, when we when we talk about vocalists, man, you know, one thing I always notice about you, brother, you had a very distinctive tone. Thank you, man. You had a very distinctive the way you you know, just the charisma that you used to have. It wasn't just the singing, man, the different, like I said, the inflections in the voice. But now I'm glad you're explaining that because it's giving the fans an opportunity to know where that came from. So that's dope, brother. Yeah, like one of the first times I got a chance to really 
express myself in shy because I, I was a late addition to the group. The group was already a group in college um, with Alpha, Alpha Phi Alpha members. And I was okay. digging on my boy Darnell when a couple of the members couldn't, they, they didn't want to perform for this fastest talent show rather than I just- So hold on, let's, let's, let's run it back. Let's run oh, everybody, okay. that's the segue. So that's everybody want to know about this. So before we get into that, so what led you, you know, you're in high school, you singing, you know, but you're not really, you know, you're not really well known as far as singing in, in high school, right uh, or wrong? I was an MC and I, I used to break dance and play basketball. Those are okay. my things. Like that's okay. what I did. And um, but basketball, like I was pretty nice. I had like almost a 40 inch vertical. You tall, you were you about six four, right? Six three and a half, yep. And so yeah. I you know I, I balled out, you know, mostly that was my life. I, I had okay. no aspirations of being in no singing group. I wanted to be a, a DJ, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had two turntables in a mixer. I'm no doubt, no doubt. I was a hip-hop head and all that kind of stuff. I used to go okay. down to Boston and then pop and stuff for money. Um, yeah. so like that was my thing. We used to hop the yeah. turnstiles, you know what I'm saying? Like we actually went to Beach Street the movie when it came out. Wow. <laughs> so, like, I remember the premiere of that. Like, so that was my thing. So when I left um high school, the only college I applied to was Howard because when I was in 11th grade, my dad, who worked for the National Education Association, the headquarters uh -huh. in DC, and uh, it was my spring break in high school, and he happened to have a big meeting in DC that he had to fly to. And he's like, Yo, man, you want to go to DC with me? You know. Sure, you know what I'm saying? I went yeah, to DC. Yeah. While he was in this big meeting, he told me the direction of Howard. Um, he was like, yo, just walk about four blocks and you'll run right into HU. I was like, word, okay. Mm. So it was a Friday, like 11.30, and I got to Howard's campus around 11.45, and I was sitting on the steps of the Fine Arts Building. I didn't know that at the time. I just brought right. a seat. And was like nobody walking around, and I was facing the Howard clock, which is way down in, in the library. And at 12 o'clock, that boom, 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 the bell start ringing, and mm -hmm. doors open from all these buildings, doors that's open, and all these people right. pouring out, and all these beautiful women just. <laughs> hey, I know, I know, I definitely know about that. Go ahead. <laughs> 11th grade, looking at this site, like, yo, what in the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. And, um, I walked back to the office to my pops. I was like, yo, dad. I'm going to Howard, man. Word up. I'm going to Howard. He's like, but yo, you got these basketball offers in these other places. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care, man. And so I hold on. Let, let me stop you for a second. So prior to you come you visiting the campus, when you was getting uh these basketball offers, were they, were any of them like HBCU schools? What type of schools were they? Were you getting accepted to? Yep. I had like a um a um a look at Virginia State, um, the Trojan, mm -hmm. but a lot of the stuff was Close to like I think um a UMass Amherst had wrote me this um a, a, a letter of, of you know they were looking at me yeah. um, UMass Boston and um like our rival high school was this coach Patrick Ewing's high school uh, Cambridge okay. Lab with Coach Jarvis who ended up coaching BU he like I I, I did a, I did some work in the AAU Mike league. Jarvis my he's the uh was yeah. GW too yep 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 yeah. so he he was checking me out and stuff like a lot of different people had kind of had the album they saw me in the AAU and I, I, okay. I did my thing. And um, so I was thinking, you know, there was a lot of Division two schools around here that was, that was you know, Stonehill, some good ones. But um, and I didn't want to go to any of those. I didn't even want to be in Massachusetts after high school. Like I didn't. I'm tired of shoveling snow and <laughs> falling through the black ice and all that. Man. But look, but look, hey, Garfields, how how like when I think of Boston, you know, of course we think of like the Irish community. But I, yeah. you know, me being, you know. Growing up off a new edition, that's what I think of. So, yeah. were you, were you, how, were you from like, were you near like, Rock, were you near like Roxbury? I wasn't. Well, Brockton is not 
downtown Boston. Brockton is outside of Boston, but it's notorious. Like people from Boston know about Brockton. But I used to go like Roxbury's on the Orange Line, and they used to have this thing called the Kite Festival in Franklin Park. I used to always go down. People get their chain snatched. I didn't care. I used to love the Kite Festival. (laughs) They had this boys club um, right off Dudley right there, the Roxbury Boys Club down there. And um, you could see Bobby Brown always like up by the Orange Line. Michael Bivens would be in that boys club sometimes. It I was, was just about to ask it because I know you know Michael Bivens swear he can hoop, man. Hey, hey, could he, could he hoop? I'm gonna ask you. Could I'm Michael Bivens really hoop? Real, real on Michael Bivens, man. Okay, so a lot of my members on my basketball team at the time they had this big tournament called the Boston Shootout, gotcha. and it was a, it was a collection of like teams from all different parts of the country that had a team. They would come to Boston like from high school, high school teams. And they would compete in a tournament, like you know, like a like almost like a McDonald's All American kind of talent wise. Gotcha. Um, but Michael Bivens literally made that team coming from Boston. Like we're yeah. all blue chip basketball dudes from high school. Mike Bivens was so nice with his handles and his passes, and he, he had a funny looking yeah. shot. <laughs> I, I'll tell you that, but but it didn't matter because he was so quick on his feet, yeah. great yeah. vision. His handles was bonnet, like Kyrie Irving type game, like Kyrie- Mike Bivens. So, so, it's, so, so for the record, it's safe to say that Mike Michael Bivens was a problem on that basketball court. He was, a problem. He was so short and all that, but it didn't, he, he could have went D one. Put it like that, he would have been in the D. If he didn't do the new edition thing, he could have played D one basketball. That's crazy. Major D one college. He, he could have been one of them. He was nice, man. He was nice. He was nice. That's, Point guard. That's what's up. Nice. Yeah, that new edition. Okay. You know, so yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I used to always go down the rocks, you know, um, Nubian Notion, you know, mm. different things down. I used to always go down there. And, and, but I used to go down there and pop and break um, yeah. and, and stuff like that. And a lot of the heads, I would go, we would go battle everywhere. We would go to Jamaica right. Plain, you know, Chelsea, all the Puerto Ricans were. They used to think I was I know about them. Chelsea. I know about Chelsea. Yo, Chelsea, a lot of the, this dude named Mystic was the first time I lost a battle. He had these dope, <laughs> he, with his little, he had this tube style that he used to just, he was nasty. Hey. <laughs> that's funny that's funny that you talk about that man because i was just watching wild style man like two days ago i think i have hey hey i haven't seen that movie probably since the that late was my, that was my favorite yo wow yeah. you know they they, they had the little, yeah. you know, that was crazy. we gonna go to everything with night crush I'm not even gonna get that's my that's that's a class. Oh, this book right here is like so dope about the official you know story yeah. of hip hop. It's it's okay. thick, but it's it's comprehensive. Dan Charnas, and it's it's everything is you know. I just use it to inform this article yeah. I just kind of wrote for this. Um, I'm doing some some. I'm gonna be doing some work with this brother from Texas A&M. Um, okay with their race and equity center and stuff like that, okay. my mentality side. But it revolves around okay. hip hop and like what, what the social statements mm. that hip hop is going through and makes and stuff like that and, and shift them. Okay. There's a lot of shifts in terms of the f- philosophy undergirding. And I, I was I just, mm. I just finished pinning it right before this, this call, so it's fresh. But um, I forgot the story. I was also- oh, Now, you, yeah, you talk about, I, I want to know like what led you, you know what I'm saying? like. Oh, the Howard. You know, we, we, yeah, going to Howard. Like you, you, you said you was up. You, you, you visited campus and you see the fine girls. But yo, I was that so, was you telling me that was pretty much it. Cause like what you know, yo. not knowing who, what you have accomplished since then, what type of student that you were, man, and what were you going to Howard for, or what were you going? What were you planning on majoring when you when you was yo. going when, when you uh what were you planning on majoring as far as you know going to college? 
Yeah, my, so, okay, so my family, my mom and my dad, not only are they educators, but they were always politically connected. Mm. And so when I went to Howard, um, I, I originally went there to um to be a, you know, to, I, I majored in chemistry when I first got there because my dad was telling me that what I wanted to major in, which is political science, gotcha. I couldn't make no money. But that's who I was. So I tried so it's, one of, it's one of them titles that sound nice. Yeah, but I couldn't have, I didn't have an aptitude for chemistry in that way. That wasn't my yeah. thing. I, I'm an artist, so it was hard for me to conform to doing like equations and getting the exact same answer that everybody else gets and then plugging that in. That style was no freedom in that style. It was just too exact. I needed no. to be able to manipulate words and paint a picture. And so writing was my forte. I need to be able to express my ideas and concepts. So no. I got to Howard. Um, I did the pre-freshman, um, pre-med program. And then it led, led me to the chemistry thing. But at the summer of my freshman year, my mom got me an internship on Capitol Hill. Um, for the Judiciary Committee, Howard Heflin. And um, I was an intern making a little dough you know, in the summertime down there, sitting with the Congressional Black Caucus and getting to know those ropes. They were yeah. grooming me to be this politician type dude. Okay. And, um, you know, I was fascinated with the science of how it works, but truthfully, mm. I had no desire to be in politics because I saw right. from the inside that it was a bunch of lawyers that generally didn't get along and a lot of them mm -hmm. was corrupt. And I couldn't see myself being that way, right? I couldn't do that. Gotcha. Um, but that, but while on Howard, there were so many organizations that were based on like intellectual kind of like prowess and, but then mm. from an activist standpoint, and that appealed to me. And okay. I opened joined this group called Black Neoforce. Matter of fact, the, the mayor of um, Newark, New Jersey right now, Raz Baraka, was the head of that organization. And he's so, um, he's uh, used to be in the group, uh, the hip hop group, wasn't he? Yeah, he wasn't started him, him and a lot of, well, he, he went into his, his brother, Mitty, was on um, One Step Beyond. Um, that was signed with Puffy right when he had Biggie and Craig Mack. They was like the okay. Third. I was about to say, I know he got some type of affiliation with like. Oh, but he was, on, he was on the he was on the Fuji's album. He did a couple of the skits like you hear his yeah. voice. Yeah, yeah Raz is man. Yeah. Dope. His his dad was Amir Baraka, formerly known as Leroy Jones. Now I know him. That's yeah. his, that's his pops. Like he comes mm. from brilliant tradition. He's a natural uh -huh. leader, man. Brother is dope. And um, so he was like the head of the organization we were in. It was called Black Nia Force. And Nia Force okay. is, is Freedom Organization for Racial and Cultural Enlightenment. And, you know, force equals mass times acceleration. And we wanted to be the force to accelerate the masses. We had that whole thing. And we, we were kind of like a paramilitary, like Black Panther-esque looking organization. Yeah. We did. We worked out on weekends. We went into the community and like posted up and fed homeless. We volunteered at independent Black shoelaces. We, mm. we their life and when um at a certain point in time they um they try to put um lee atwater who was a ku klux klan member on a board of trustees at howard and we spearheaded oh. the, yeah we spearheaded the takeover of the a building and we occupied the a building it was it was our organization who, who did that and um that was just all of those moments were just so like they they made me my sensibilities um you know what i became i had that sensibility um coming into the industry that's why we named our album blackface because yeah. we were trying to twist that narrative mm. from that Al Jolson kind of thing to make him what it was supposed to be in the first place. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I got a lot of flack for that. That's probably yeah. why we got sabotaged as a group um, by our label and stuff. Um, because I, um, Oh, the slow down, slow. Oh, you're moving a little too fast, oh, golf. <laughs> Walk me through, Baker. We got a lot of talk. You said you got some time, brother. Yeah, for you sure. You got some time, man. So look. I'm hearing you telling me about the about about the group that you you know you you, you uh 
the things that influenced you while you were in Howard. Now, this was around the same time you had the X Clan and Public Raw, Enemy. So, the Golden yeah. Era, so talk about talk about that era, man. Talk about your influences, yeah, like musically. Okay, so we get to Howard, bro, and yeah, yeah, yeah. music, musically, musically, musically. That's what I'm talking about. Like the perme permeating the atmosphere was like. Rock him a lot. You got Big Daddy King, ain't no. Hat. Then you got um, Public Enemy, with it takes a nation of millions. You know, nineteen eight. Then you got the movies by Spike Lee featuring Hell him, yeah, yeah. like that. You know, and all the stuff that he had out at the time. Um, and then you got like a brand new being, Sadiq X, and 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 um, you got like J. Rude, the damages. Yeah. You know, um, you got all the like you know, the wise, intelligent from Paul Wright. Paul Wright, I was just about this. You can't forget Paul Wright's teachers. Yeah, you got the you got the Native Tongue family, of course. Native Tongue, yeah. And the Daylight Movement popping up, and then you got like stuff like in R&B, like Soul to Soul, that's Daddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that Karen Wheeler, Karen Wheeler, Karen Wheeler, man, Karen Wheeler. You got a young Mary J. Blige with Grand Poobah with the most of four one one hundred and all that just. Like everywhere you stepped, it was in, you know, Terminator X and then, you know, Eric B for I came through the door. Mm. And then you got Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick <laughs> Slick Rick the ruler. The ruler. Dun, dun, but dun, hold on, I gotta I gotta stop you for a second, man, because as we, you know, the fans, man, they, they as they watching this, as once they watch this, they're gonna be like, hold up, is this the same brother that was singing all them sultry love songs, all them soothing like you so you was really influenced by hip hop because other than you know that uh, maybe a couple of songs on that first shy album, man. We never really knew that about you, man. So, so well, just to live in that time. I think to live in that time, no yeah. matter what your walk of life was, hip hop was so vibrational and so resonant as a part of what was now. We finally had a youth culture because mm. that time. See, now it's it's it's, it's in the atmosphere. Every it, people yeah. just. But yeah. back then, not only was there no videos on a regular basis on TV. Radio was barely playing hip hop. It just started. I'm old enough to remember that. I be telling like my, my children, like there was a time I can remember where you were here, Atlantic Star, Jeffrey Osborne, yes. uh uh Gladys Knight and the Pips. Yes. And then you were here, LL Cool. You were here like what right. for every 15 uh 10 rhythm and blues songs, you get one uh one hip hop song. Like as a shorty shorty, we grew up listening to our parents' music, which wasn't bad because Earth went in fire, like May, like it was some of the dopest music ever. I wasn't mad, but hip hop created a youth space, an actual youth culture where we had our music. And then to get to Howard at 17 and that music is permeating the space, not to mm -hmm. mention we're in DC. So on every street corner, you hear boo -doo, boo -doo 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 -doo. Yeah. The go go man, yeah, that go go. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. See, you know, we talking that now. You know, this is my city. So, what was some of the spots you remember? You remember the chapter three? Chapter three, I was up in chapter three, bro, all the way live. I was up when in chapter three. When Fat Rodney used to be up there. Yep, and, and I didn't realize how dangerous it was. And that, like, yeah. I was up in there, like, yo, <laughs> you know, it made nobody sweat me. You know, I, I, my, yeah. man, I was there to, good to have, there to have a good time. I knew how to manage myself, like, yeah, if it, yeah. like. Boston is a rough city. If you can come out of Boston and know how to yeah. conduct yourself in spaces, yeah, yeah. Great. so even though I'm light skinned, curly haired dude, and all that, I know how to, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I was all right. So, um, yeah. and um, you know, ain't nothing sweet either. So, you know, if you yeah, can't yeah. do it, but I, I ain't trying, I ain't no thug. I ain't trying. No, nah, I get you. I get you. You gonna handle yeah. yours. You yeah. Handle so, it. and yeah. then most schools in DC, I felt was like that. So we yeah, all yeah. good. You know what I mean? Um, was chapter three was then you know then we had like little low key places like there was this place called the Wuss that I went to then there was this um 
Um, uh, it was a Jamaican spot I used to go to all the time. I can't remember the name of it. Killer Majaro. Yeah, Killer Majaro. Killer Majaro. And then you know later on they got um banana um Republic. Uh, banana Republic, yeah, yeah. Republic and then you know they got the what was the big huge club? It had three floors and different. That was uh love. That it was yeah. They call it love, and then they went. Two names. That was yeah, one of them. Yeah. So all that you know, that's where yeah. you know that was the cipher right there. And then yeah. of course all the campus situations yeah. like their parties on campus. Right. Puffy was there, so he was throwing parties with Derek Angeletti, who became the mad rapper D Dot. They had a black man Puerto Rican production, they called it. And so they was throwing parties every weekend. Mm. And, um, oh, so you was up at Howard when Puff was up there? Oh, yeah. That was, that's my class. That's who, that's who I was there. Like, that's my people. That's, matter of so, fact, so, Puffy was the youngest to ever make the Howard Fashion Show um, for Homecoming. Yeah. We, we auditioned and ended up making it when we were like at the end of our freshman year. You know, usually they pick people older who are more filled out and stuff like that. But we were yeah. And Puffy then was a dancer from Mount Vernon with Groovy Lou and Walt and all of them. Like that was his, you know, peeps, the Mount Vernon crew, the Mount Vernon posse, and they could dance. Like yeah, I don't yeah. know if you looked at Layla Halloway videos, Baby Don't Cry, but this dude named Khalif and all of them with that dope style of like half popping and half. I, I didn't I never knew the name, but I know that Baby Don't Cry from her the first uh the first pro, uh, uh uh Layla Hathaway album. Man, matter of fact, yeah. matter of fact, um what's what's Will I Am, the group that he come from? Um, um uh, Black Eyed Peas. Black Eyed Peas. Before they was, you know, sounding to me, they kind of sound like Tribe. That's why I never really cared for them as rappers. Yeah. But as dancers, yeah, they can dance their ass off. So sick. Yeah. With it. I used yeah. to just put them my mouth open and stuff. <laughs> like I was like, why ain't y'all just do that forever? Yeah, man? I was just about to say, yeah, I already. But of course, it's way more money. And Will I Am got to show how incredibly smart and. Yeah, that dude yeah. is a businessman. I, if I could hire somebody like that, boy. Um, <laughs> that so, wait, so, when you, so when you was up at when you was at Ohio University, did you ever think that Puffy would be the visionary? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just interviewed, I just interviewed Father <laughs> MC last week, and he said when he was at Uptown, he said he knew that he was gonna be. Yo, I'm gonna tell you, Puffy. Okay, let me tell you, man. Puffy came on the yard. He was was the guy that was, I'm going to tell you a typical outfit for Puffy to just let you know how he was just so just, okay, so Puffy might have on like a, um, you know, the denim shirt with the button down collar? Yeah. A normal light blue denim shirt, right? Some khaki shorts, you know, with the cuff in the bottom, uh, some black socks up to his lower, right below his calf, and we used to call them bump toe shoes. They was made out of like like, um, PVC kind of material, real shiny. And leather joints. Patton, but this is where where Puffy he would get some clothes pins. I mean, some gym clip paper clips, right? A whole bunch of paper clips, and on this pocket, it would just be a whole thing of paper clips that he would create a design and have that there on his shoes as the shoestrings. It would be all in paper clips as shoestrings all the way up, and then he would have a polka dot like tie that wasn't all the way tied on. That might be blue and cream to match his thing. And it might have some paper clips to that. That was his matching accessory, these paper clips. Like, but he would have them in such a way that they was like dope. Like, what is that? Like, you can't yeah. buy in the store. <laughs> and he would be walking around and nobody would have his style. Like he was just yeah. and that and then his mouthpiece, he could out, he could talk his way through anything. Like, yeah. And he was the man, like he was throwing parties. He 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 invented schemes, like put it like this. At the end of the semester, when it was time for everybody to go home, mm-hmm. everybody taking cabs to the train station to the airport. Puffy was the dude that was like some shorty, whatever he talking about, letting him use, um, letting her use, letting him use her credit card. He'll rent maybe like five or six, 10 passenger vans. He'll price 
how much the cab will cost to get to the airport, and he'll probably drop the price maybe three, four dollars lower than that. He'll get maybe a crew of dudes to drive, promising to pay them maybe like a hundred dollars. I don't know what. Yeah. And he will be creating his own shuttle service for people going to the airport from Howard, make crazy bank, pay everybody, pay the girl back, and be sitting on dough, and then throw a party where he will oversell pretty much the, you know, like it would be capacity of 100 people, like a venue, St. Augustine Church or something like that, they held like 200 people, he would sell like 800 tickets, and all along, it would be a long line and at the joint, making people think like, yo, this is the spot to be in, and people got a whole yeah, make all that money. Like, he was, I ain't never seen somebody that was so good at coming up with a gimmick every single time that worked. I want like yeah. one good one in their lifetime. Puffy just generated them joints, and it was always he, he, he was batting them out the park, man. So you knew way back then that this dude, yeah. he, he something I don't know what, but he gonna be like somewhere at the top of something. Yeah, I knew that immediately, like, of course. Yeah, because talking to Father MC, man, he told me the same thing. He said when he used to be around up at uh, Uptown, I mean, he, he said, man, he was pretty much running Uptown. Like the whole Jodeci look, the whole Mary yep. J. Blige yep. image, that comes from even, even you know, even his pro, even, you know, his um his first project, you know. The, like the, he, the, the, the signs, like the pickets, yeah. like the whole marketing campaign, this dude thought to come out with like, like you know, from the Civil Rights Movement, how they had the picket signs. Yeah. yeah. Thought of that, like for marketing on an album, came out with his people with picket. His street team had picket signs causing attention to the album. People was like, "What's going on over there?" <laughs> and it says album you promoting with that. Like, if people like the shock value that yeah. just stuck with people, they were, like, "I'm gonna go buy this." You know, what I'm <laughs> yo, that's crazy. <laughs> so he was dope. So look, man, let's let's fast forward a little bit, man. So here we are, man. You in Howard? You in this group, man, and, and you, you guys got all these ideas and you're influenced by, by by what's going on around you, but you're still singing, man. So when did you realize, man, you know, that you wanna you wanna you wanna take this thing a step further as far as a singer? Which basically, you know, yeah. how did you guys come together as a group? How did you how did you meet Donnell and okay. and you know and 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 you know, all the brothers, man. How did you guys all come together and, and, and create the uh, the group? This is crazy. Okay, so I ran for Howard University student body president, and um, I was liberal arts vice president, like, you know, the, the Lack Near Force deployed us. Um, and I, I was in the nation at the time. You know, I had joined the okay. nation when I was at Howard. And um, I was married. You now, know, you mean the nation, the nation is the order 5%. Or the Nation of Islam, but, okay. you know, but I was cool with like like C knowledge from the Diggable Planets. He was at Howard. We was, I was cool with a lot of the five percenters because okay. a lot of my lessons is the same lessons. You know, the Supreme, yeah. you know, the same yeah. lessons. You know, we all know the actual and solar facts. We, we so we could build on that, even yeah. though so it was the same in a lot of ways. Um, so I was there, but coming up, you know, I had so much responsibility at the time. We were taking over housing projects in DC without weapons. And we just had to, you know, on the call outs at one o'clock in the morning to show force. Hold up, hold up, time out, time out. So you was with the, the Guardian Angels that used to no, be? No, the FOI. We was with the FOI. Okay, okay, okay. We okay, wasn't Guardian Angels. The FOI was doing that. We was. No, no, no. You know what? I, I, I stand well, corrected. New York, the Guardian Angels was doing no, that. No, no, no. That's on me. I do remember the FOI being up around, like, you know. Atlantic um, Guardians, Clifton. Atlantic, Atlantic, yeah. Terrace, um, uh, uh, Paradise. You remember Mayfair Paradise, man? Doing patrols at one or two in the morning with one man. guy. Man. 
talking about, yo, stop selling drugs. I remember that, yo, yo, hold on, we gotta stop for a second, brother. Cause I thought y'all, I thought y'all was crazy, man. I used to see that. I because I had people that used to stay around Eastgate and Mayfair and hear about the stuff on the news. Yo, tell me about that experience, man. Like, talk about that a little bit. A lot of people don't know that part of me, but that really made me like who I end up becoming internally in terms of not only my consciousness, but belief in like, yo, the mental, the mental game you got to be on to be able to do that, to believe that you're going to be all right. Cause we didn't have no weapons and we was halting the drug game at the, at the height of the crack era. Yes. In DC. In DC yes. where it goes down. It goes yes. All these cats, like they wasn't playing at all. <laughs> it was not a game. And so, you know, we would have issues a lot, man. It was the murder capital of the world at that time. And, um, you know, I was in, the, I was a one, I was an FOI in, in Moss number four, um, you know, Kenilworth and stuff like yep. that. Yep. And um, you know, we would like that's still there, by the way. That yeah, still the there. still there, must number four. And so still we would there. have our pages, and then we get we get the nine one one. No matter what you was doing, I don't care what you was doing. If you get the nine one one from the, the, the FOI, head you heading out, you rolling out because what that happened is they done try to shoot one of the brothers. You know, they done got fed up, and uh, we tried to you know we had a manual called a proper handling of people where we really tried to deal with our brothers in a brotherly way. So they knew and respected us. A lot of them did. It was just the fact that we was messing up their hustle. And so that money. Yeah, we was going on patrols and stuff like that, making sure that the old ladies and stuff in the neighborhood felt safe in the projects, you know, and we cleaned it up. We had to make made it look better and stuff like that. But the brothers they ain't had their cracks, but you know, they was moving to other places and we would come there. And it was um so because of that, we ended up getting um it was crazy because the corporate um structure downtown DC actually gave Minister Farrakhan um contracts to have security because of our success in these spots right. and i end up landing at the cable company on 13th street no 14th street um over there um by the civic municipal building or whatever it was a cable company and cable companies are federal and so like they wanted a younger you know i was young i was college educated a lot of the brothers from the nation you know they coming from you know real like you know what I'm saying? So, they wanted me to kind of be on the, you know, and I had employees that were older men under me. Like, you know, like I had mm. the time I had to work. Nobody wanted the weekend shift that was from midnight to noon. So I had to work midnight to noon. And when my people wouldn't show up properly dressed, I would have to send them home and then cover the other 12 hour shift, work a 24 hour shift. I'm kind of trying to get my grades. It was just a lot on me. And I was married. I was just doing a lot at that time and 18, 19, 20 years old. And so. Like that kind of burnt me out. And so I end up end up kind of like letting, you know, Brother Tim and Brother Aleem, you know, the minister and, and captain over at the mosque know that look, man, I I ain't no quitter and stuff like that. But I one of the things well one of the things is you gotta finish what you start. And I came to Howard to get this degree. And now all these things are kind of like, you know, overwhelming me, like like you said, and it was like I couldn't, you know, I, I ended up making a D in um speech class, you know, and I'm an A student, you know. And so um, it's like, yo, I got to, you know, and I ran for Houston as Garfield X and almost okay. beat, almost won. Um, we lost by 190 votes. We beat Kasim Reed and stuff like that. Who ended up being the mayor of Atlanta. It's crazy. Yeah, the mayor of, yeah, mayor yeah. of Atlanta. But, I, you know, we lost to Ivan Bates, who was a dope. He was the, he was the NAACP student representative. And okay. I was the Nation of Islam student rep. You know, it was like, a you know, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but it was so dope, the experience and the speak out. So I quit it. I learned about myself. That I can handle myself public speaking, 
that I was good at actually moving the crowd in terms of connecting. Like I learned a lot about myself doing that, doing having to have been pushed to that. And so um, I, I took that with me, you know. Um, and so then late, coming out of that, um, I started hanging back with Darnell. Darnell was my roommate freshman year in Howard. He and I were freshmen, 17 years old. He was from New Jersey. Darnell, who hit the high note in the song, if I ever in the group. Yeah. He was my roommate. I know, I, man, you know what? I know, I know yeah. the members, man. Let's, 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 let's do that. <laughs> I met D, and um, D came from Eastside High School to Joe. I was just about to say, I would bring, talk about that a little bit, man. Yeah. With, with, you know, so, know, you man. know, Eastside High School with the Joe Clark story, Darnell actually went to that school, and the dude singing in that um, that bathroom scene was a group called Riff, who Darnell's dad, who was the main one of the main social workers at that school, was also their manager. So we used to know all the riff songs before they came out, and me and Darnell used to was sing to the adjacent girls' dorm called Eaton Plaza. We lived downtown in a dorm called Sutton Plaza because it was so many refreshments. We didn't, we couldn't stay in the freshman dorms on campus. We got to live in the fly condos downtown. And so um, that's how I learned. You know, D was like, "Yo, man, you can sing, man." You know, saying, "I was like, why?" why?" You know, saying, and so he kind of pumped me up, and um, I was rocking with D. So after we went through our separate experiences, him joining Alpha Phi Alpha and me coming up out of the nation, we kind of met back up. And then this time he had, that they formed a group called Beta and they were singing, it was like five deep alphas preparing for this big, big talent show at Howard University. Because Shy, we didn't do any shows except for that one show before we got signed. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta stop, I gotta stop you guys here. Cause <laughs> you know, we moved alone, you know, hold on, let me stop you for a second. Now, the other two members that you, you you mentioned in the group, but at this time, how many members was was Carl in the group? Was yeah, Mark Carl, in the group? Carl and Darnell were the founding members of what became Shot. But at the time, those two guys were called Beta. Oh, continue, beta continue. Chapter, Alpha Phi Alpha was a Beta okay. chapter, okay. and so Darnell was kind of helping them produce songs. Carl was a great writer, so he was writing. Darnell was kind of producing stuff. Carl was learning production skills. They was getting together. And out of that duo is where like Baby I'm Yours, Comforter, and If I Ever came from. Those are like our practice songs. And um, so for this talent show though, we end up, we were learning like Boys the Men songs, and um, you know, to perform at this show. And this show was like the Apollo, like football players would come there and all the New York crowd would come there and all they wanted to do was just boo people. <laughs> black, but just because that was fun for them at our experience. Yeah, yeah. So, because of that milieu, two of the dudes that were like in their group quit like days before that show. So they were from five part harmony to just three people. And I was just hanging out with Darnell again for the first time. We had hooked back up and became best friends again. So I was in the fine arts building for like six and seven hours out of the day for like four weeks, just mm. rehearsed rehearse and practice. And so when them dudes quit, he was like, yo, gee, I know you done soaked up some of these parts, man. Like we need like, yo, bruh. I was like, I know, I, you know what I'm saying? I know the bass part, you know what I'm saying? So I, I ended up agreeing to be in the in the talent show. And so the talent show came and it was like dope people. Like Eric Robeson was in that talent show. Damn. Tracy Lee was in that talent show. Debbie Allen's niece named Dawn Allen. Um, she was in a group called Pure Soul. She was in that talent show. Like every hit Oh, hold up, Pure Soul seen that uh We Must Be in Love. Yeah, I was in the video. With <laughs> that was you in the video. <laughs> no, no, you was in the video. They asked you to be in that video, and um, but and that um, came out. Matter of fact, that came out the same year the Blackface album came yep, out. Yep, so it is. You know, er earlier in the year. Yep, you're right. Early, you know early, that, man. So early, year, but go ahead, continue. So, and his brother named Steve. I think he died in a motorcycle accident. He was dope too. Rest in peace. 
But we were lucky because we got to go on last. Man, let me tell you, all the artists that came out there got booed. And they were dope, though. Like, Eric Robeson came out there singing this um, Pretty Brown Eyes by Mint Condition. And I hadn't even heard Mint Condition yet. I thought he wrote that because I, I knew. Hold on. So this is before. So this is pre nine. This is pre first album, pre 92. Yeah, we just some students at Howard about to go do yeah. the show. And I agreed to do the show with him. And but people like that was in the fine arts building practicing about putting in that work like us. Um, Eric Robeson used to also be in one of the adjacent rooms practicing for six and seven hours a day down in the lab. Mm. And at the end of the, when they would turn in tonight, we would resurface at the top of the fine arts plateau okay. and see each other. Yo, what's up, man? You been down there all this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> holler at each other for a little while and stuff like that. We knew they was grinding. They knew we were grinding. And um, so we got to this show and E. Robeson came up there. Pretty round eyes. He was killing it, right? And I was like, what's that song, man? And um, right when I was getting into it, yeah, and the crowds are all booing. I was like, you got it. <laughs> These dudes are crazy, man. They just booing this dude. Now, you, everybody know Eric Robinson can blow I'm about to say, yeah, man. Dude, New, Jer- New Jersey's home, man. He's dope. He was booing that night. It wasn't nothing wrong. Like, he, he, yeah. messed up. he was killing that joint, actually. Yeah. And then he went off, and then Tracy D came up. Y'all remember Tracy with Party Time? Yeah, know? rapping. He's, yeah. A, uh, he's, yeah. A ter- he's a uh, attorney now. Yeah, he's an attorney. Still a lawyer now. And he came out, he had made this song called Creeping about dorm life. You creeping, you creeping every single weekend. And he started explaining in his rhymes about how people yeah. be creeping in the little dorms at one in the morning. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he was dull, he was killing it. And then he got he got booed for some reason. Damn, he got booed too. Everybody. Then Dawn <laughs> Allen came out singing like she sing, like because she used to sing the national anthem at Howard Games. So she's octave, like she kills stuff. Yeah, she's she was singing from, I forgot what you was killing it. They booed her just saying, I love it. Everybody. So I'm like, we back there like, oh, oh my God. Like my, my old, And then I had just learned these parts because I got thrown into the fray, right? Like I'm just like auxiliary member of the thing, like popping off. Yeah, because you pretty much, you're, you're, at this time, you're pretty much like the last member. Last member. Last member. Or like, it kind of was weird because if they was five members, they hadn't been called shy yet. They were still beta because they were all alphas, but two of the members quit and it was three of them left and they were still called beta. And um, I jumped yeah, in. Now, and so now, I was real, quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, Goff here. Before you, please don't forget what you about to say. I just oh, want to ask this question. Now, now, were all you guys, um, now, were all you guys in the same grade, you know, like as far as like sophomore, you know, same class? I mean, um, were you guys in the same, same class? class? Um, Mark Gay, he was ahead of us. He was one year like higher than us. He was, um, uh-huh. Like I forget, we were like juniors. We were like juniors or something like that. And he was a okay. senior, graduating senior. And um, so yeah, he was. He was. He matter of fact, his major was zoology. He was serious, like science type student. And, oh, you guys um, had different different majors too. Yeah, different majors. I was political science. Mark was a zoology major. Carl was an English major, and Darnell was a music education major. Okay. And so um, so yeah, so then I, I joined. We went into this show. We were last. Our only objective was to not get booed if possible. Like we didn't care nothing about winning the talent show. None yeah. of that. Everybody up there was nice with it. Like we weren't even looking at it like that. Like mm-hmm. we just didn't want to get booed, man. Right. That's humiliating, right. right? And um, the crowd was rowdy. But we figured since we going on last, maybe they had just they energy level fired. They, yeah, the energy is over, man. <laughs> they drained, right? <laughs> and so when we came out, we came out to um, uh, ah, by boys men at ten nine. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. And then I said, 
injection, fellas. And the girls was like, ah! <laughs> I was like, in my mind, I couldn't even be happy about that because I was just looking at the dude like, please don't boo me, please don't boo me. Yeah. And we went from there, it trans, we had a medley. We went to, um, please don't go away from me. We did Please Don't Go Away From Me on oh, My Boys and Men Killed That. Okay, okay. Yeah, boo, you know, like, yeah. We did one more song um, from, from Boys and Men. And, um, and they, they was, was popping. Um, they was popping around that time, man. That, that, uh, what's that, the Cooley High Harmony album? Yeah. We did that too. And, um, and then, um, and then, um, like, that was like that song that we ended with. And then Cooley High, um, all time Philly back again. And the harmonies, and then they didn't boo us. B, that was the moral victory. We went, I went on, we went on stage. They closed the curtains, and it was like a, it was like a, a encore kind of situation. Pop. Oh shit! Okay, it went from booing people <laughs> like. And so then the conundrum was that okay, we had those songs on the that you know we queued up. So what we gonna do? We ran out of songs. They go on an encore. What we gonna sing? So then we was standing there like, y'all was singing like, you know, if I ever I practice song, and it was like, hi, right, you know, it's easy, you know, let's let's just do that one. And so we went that to the a practice. That was a practice song. Yeah, because that song was a song that forced you to do your long tones and hold your harmony, crescendo the harmonies. It was a song that forced you to sing in different styles while you were singing it, get your breath right and stuff. So it was like it was a pretty practice song and stuff. Okay. okay. And so um, in our mind, so we we went to the front of the stage, and you know that ooh da doo 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 doo, the hearts came da doo doo, and it caught the very first time. Carl came in right, and the, and the people was bobbing their heads. I was looking, okay. at them, like yo, <laughs> I feel like yo, we why we back out here, man? They gonna boo us now, finally. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so I'm like ah. So I'm going to hurry up and get this joint over with. But yeah. what happened was, you know, Darnell with his beautiful voice came with the chorus. By the second chorus, when the chorus came back in, the crowd was freaking singing our hook. Like, they knew the song. As if they knew the song. And I was like, yo, blown away. And then so they closed the curtain. We took our bow, they closed the curtain. And right there on stage, the four of us was looking at each other, like literally standing, like facing each other in a little mm. circle. And say, yo, y'all want to try to get a record deal? Just like that. Right then is when we decided. And that's when I kind of decided that I probably could sing a little bit because the response I got from the girls in the audience. Right, right, right. And so um, hold up. Let's, 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 let's slow down for a second. <laughs> so, you know, we want to know, man, as, I, I, I appreciate you telling me about the formation of the group, man. But I want to know, like, how did you guys choose who, you know, being there, you guys are like a four, um, you know, you guys sing four-part harmony. Yeah. But you also, you also got like it's a group of four lead singers in in a sense. All you guys yeah, take yeah, turns singing. Yeah, yeah, think, how yeah. did you how did you guys decide who sing what? You know, you, well, um, after the first kind of effort where the songs were all like, I came into the group where they had already had the basic three songs that was like defined our first album written. Um, but other songs, it would be a situation like a like a like a rap group. Like somebody might come up with a hook in the writing process yeah. and. Um, you know, we'll sit around based on what that hook was, and everybody would try their hand at a, writing a verse. All right, what you got? What you got? What you got? And based on the verses that we like, oh, yo, that's dope. Okay, what did you? Oh yeah, yeah. what y'all think? Mm. Take that one. And then so based on that, well, I guess you're gonna be singing the first verse. You know, you you wrote your verse is dope. You sing that verse second. And so based on who you know, we wrote our own. Any most of the time when we sing a verse that was our pen, like okay. especially on the second album. 
And so that kind of determined how it would go down. Like, you, you, you know, we just wrote our own little piece and that's the part you're going to sing in the song. And then that's where you're going to get plugged in at, you know, whatever. Okay. And it, so it was, there was never really like no no real conflict as far as because I always I always wanted to know whenever you know you have a group like you know I'm thinking back like the Temptations and the Dramatics and the groups that have like all these different you know but they have they, they, these groups that have like different you know multiple lead singers I always wonder how they do that when it came to when it came to songs and stuff we respected the craft so much like I remember when so Mark had brought this song to the group like Carl had wrote all the lyrics to If I Ever that was like Carl actually penned that himself. Now, I'm gonna stop, let me stop you for one second. Please don't forget what you're about to say. I hate to do this. The fans, sometimes they complain when I when I do this. But the reason why I like to do these breakdowns because the, we're talking about classic, legendary shit. You know what I'm saying? We, this is some classic shit right here, man. I don't know how to put it any other way. And, you know, we all know, you know, that song, If I Ever Fall In Love, is a classic. Now, when, when, when Carl wrote that, or when he brought that to you guys, what it? What was the you know? What was the response? Because you well, just said it was a practice. Song. When so I joined, what, when, what I, when, that, when, I, when I got like pulled by Darnell to be in this talent show, I was like not. I was just sitting there watching that five member Alpha Phi Alpha kind of group do their thing. Though that song was Carl had already like him and Darnell had already had that experience of creating. Okay. Um, but when the music version came out, like Darnell and Mark did that music to the music version and stuff like that. Okay. They played all that stuff. Um, okay. But Carl pinned that one. And very rarely did somebody bring a song all whole to the group. Um, but Mark brought one too with Together Forever. And speaking of your early point, he said, yo, I'm on, I'm on Darnell, I want you, I'm gonna sing the first verse of D. I want you to sing the song I wrote. I want you to sing this. And me and Carl gladly obliged because you love Darnell's voice, and we thought it was yeah, Darnell will kill that. Like we didn't have no, you know, and um, you know, and so. But if I ever Carl, when I when I got into the group, my favorite joint was um, cause we used to go in the fine arts building, and in those rooms it was a padded soundproof room, and all of those rooms had a piano in the room. And so the only accompaniment that we ever had with all those songs that the comforter. Um, Baby, I'm yours, and if I ever and all those songs was that pe- we would play the piano and sing to that. It was really a cappella. It was just the piano and the book. So the piano accompaniment of Baby, I'm yours. I mean, the song that came out was like this pop thing with the. Yeah, I, 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 I want to talk about that, that a little later. But, <laughs> but but the version of it that we used to do down the fine arts, where it was just the real actual piano, those yeah. chords are actually the chords from Let's Get It On. That's Let's Get It On. Um, baby, I'm yours. Just let's get it on, basically, musically. Okay. It's the same, same. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, I just realized that you're right. You're right. So that when we sung, baby, I can I'm really yours. like when I hear when I hear the live version on the on that um the back at your uh, EP. Yeah. I can, yeah. Now it it sounds like that, but hearing the the album so, version. <laughs> When we got signed, because we had to do our album in two weeks, because the MCA wanted to make money off of album sales rather than just putting If I Ever out as a single. So they forced it to hurry up and do an album real quick so we can. And because of that, like, they wanted, like, us to, they tried to put us with producers. It, it, it wouldn't work, like, because we wanted to do our own thing and they didn't have enough time. I was like, okay, well, just do what y'all do. They didn't think we was going to have nothing but If I Ever. So we had in our bag, we had Baby I'm Yours and Comforter. And yeah. we put the music to it, and they came out good like that. Those became our best singles and stuff. Um, so, so, baby, so rewind, 
rewind a little bit. You rewind. Let's go back a little bit, man. What you know? You got. I remember you just mentioned. You said, man, y'all. After that uh, show, you guys said, man, you know what? Let's go ahead and get a record deal. <laughs> so Lee, 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 let's let's get to let's get to that point, man. That's you know. Crazy. So we go to we go to New York, man, right? With this dream. Because we had heard that Jody Seat just walked I was just I was just about to say. Go ahead. Come on. <laughs> they just got signed on the spot. But of course they yeah. got singing JoJo singing like that. Yeah. Producing the tracks. He was like no brainer, yeah. right? Um, so we was like, man, we gonna we gonna do the same thing. So we go to New York and we go to this this street called Avenues of America, is where all like the labels was on this this one okay. big long block at Legor, mm. Sony, all these. Man, so we go in there with if I now we knew if I ever was a hit like because this crap them dudes that boo us boo so y'all knew y'all knew y'all had one you knew had one yep so but it was acapella so that at the time the only other acapella song was the Coolie High Harmony and that was already attached to the Coolie High the movie so yeah. people had a precedent set for right, knowing right, that right. Mm-hmm. but this is an original joint we did some college mm-hmm. movies, right so we go up there and we was tight at that time with our harmony everything was so tight. And we went up there, we went to all these people's like offices, singing, people was on the phone, smoking cigarettes, half listening to yeah. it. You know, just disrespecting the shit out of us and stuff, right? We came away from New York, all dejected. Ain't nobody was trying to sign us. Like, yo, these dudes wildin', man. So when we got back to um DC, it was um WPGT, the radio station. We used to play yes, these sir. Little, used to play these little softball games with like the community. They would go to different communities, set yeah. up little rigs and play music and Good food, and they be like playing the personalities. Right, and, right. Um, Darnell and, and and Carl and Mark. So I don't know what I was doing. I wasn't with them that day. Maybe I had gone back to Boston for something. I wasn't there that day. But they went and gave um dude um, Paco Lopez the tape of our demo. Damn, I, I, I ain't heard that name in years, Paco, man. Paco Lopez, Albie, he was Ooh. a pro. So and um he he heard him was like, yo, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? And they was just starting this thing called Home Jams up. And um they was like, yeah, we gonna we gonna we gonna put this on home jams. Okay. Um but they they kind of snuck previewed it before without like in regular rotation too. Yeah. But they also played in home jams. And man, it was getting such an overwhelming response from the people that MCA kind of gave us like a demo deal. Like they were like, Okay, you know, this song is gonna be dope, but yeah. but it's a cappella and we're not quite sure. If we can play it on like white radio in between songs with music, if the program directors are gonna like, it's right. a dope song, but I don't know if they gonna. Can you guys make a music version? And so it was a lot riding on this music version. They gave us a little money to make a music version, and if the music version came out, mwah, then yeah. that was probably, that was gonna get us a, a more than a demo deal. So we was, you know, Darnell came up with this Isaac Hayes sample that. Okay. Yeah. Isaac Hayes, Darnell came up with that sample, and um. They played on that joint and did what they did. And then we changed the melody just a little bit to fit the melody of where that sample was taking us. I was like, because which came like, like I remember when that, um, the single came out like around that fall. Yeah. And then the album dropped it. My birthday month came out. Yup. Okay. And then the album dropped in December, but man, here in DC, man, that song, Went bananas, man. I was, I was loving DC because another little social historical kind of like part of the process or phase was our class at Howard was one of the first classes in DC 
where DC dudes and Howard dudes was kind of starting to become cool. Where it wasn't like, because usually like Howard dudes come in with this uppity attitude. Yeah, yeah. My cousin, she was she was at not to cut you off, but my cousin, she was at Howard. Yeah. The same time she came out. I don't know if you know her, but her name, uh, Monica Colecloth. She came out a year after you. I know it's a million yeah. people at Howard, but her name was Monica Clo- Colecloth. So Monica, when you see this, hey, you know. What's up, Monica? Yeah. It's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we got the we got the we got the uh, the legend uh, Godfell on here, but nah, she oh, came out of ninety, she, she came out of ninety two or ninety three, I believe. So okay, yeah. okay, well, go ahead. Well, I was just saying that, like, because we used to go out in the community, play ball, like we was we was like a cut from a different cloth. We ain't see ourselves on no uppity, like we was just yeah. dudes who got to come to Howard and do yeah. our thing, and it was like, yo, what's happening? What's in the what's, where the hood at? You know, yeah. and. Some of the DC dudes could feel that energy, and they they was like, "Oh, okay, these some different type of Howard niggas, man." I, I, yeah. I, 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 I mess with these bands right here. Right. People don't people don't understand like the vicinity, man, and the dynamics of like the location of where Howard University is located because you got Leesroy Park around the corner. Leesroy, yep. yep. <laughs> then you got like where 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 I grew up at Fairmont and Clifton Terrace. Yep, I used to live like, I used to live on Thirteenth and Clifton, right? right yeah. Here. So I was right on Thirteenth and Fairmont. Like okay, you know right block. Yeah, so you had like like CTU Clip the Terrace used to be off the off chain, the chain right? Yeah. There, was that Cardoza High School right there? Cardoza High School, yep. yep. So the Avenue like, Grill and all that. Every, everything yeah. was right there in that little. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. like like um, so we used to go out in the hood and just be really in the hood playing ball with the DC dudes. I mean, I don't been in 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 games with. Cops will roll up on the games because somebody that's playing with us and did something we didn't know about, and cops will roll up twelve gauges, cocking them, and mm-hmm. two shorties running, one stashing the gun. So like it was always something like that happening. Like as Howard's doing, yeah. he was in the middle of. But they, you know, we bonded a lot with these cats. Where were the others? Where was I know Donnell from New Jersey? Where was where was Mark and Carl from? Where were they from? Mark, Mark was from Miami, and um, Carl's from um, Lafayette, Louisiana. Oh shit! Y'all all from? I'm thinking all you guys at least for the same. Nah, place. that's why me and D is together to this day still because we were so close together in terms of like we grew up the same kind of way. We was like a hip hop, yeah. you know. And so like you know we, we I had no cool. idea the other two were in the south because I like doing my research, man. It's it's hard to. I don't like man. Carl don't do that many interviews, man, and Mark Mark don't either, man. Yeah. And I, you know, so I. I never knew that, man, but continue, brother. Yeah, he was from Lafayette and Mark was from Miami, man. And so, so you know, D.C., that we was one of the first classes that really was kind of like ingratiating ourselves with the local community like that. And that allowed us to get a better look. They was taking us to Go-Go's and we was able to see and, and experience the culture in a way that other Howard dudes I don't think got a chance to really get with before them times. Right. Okay. And they appreciate D.C. even more so and stuff like that, you know. Mm. You know, it was just a um, a fuller experience, and and um, some of them relationships to this day still exist like that. And I think that we kind of paved the way for the Howard community to to have to in the DC to show like when Mashai came out. I think right. DC was able to show some dudes that came from Howard singing. Yeah, they yeah. Showed us love because it was like, yeah, I'm trying. Hey, 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 Garfield, I'm trying to tell you, we <laughs> thought y'all was from from here, man. Like. The way they used to even talk about it on the radio, they like DC's own, yeah, yeah, they say DC's own. But you know, but the way, like you said, man, the way you ingratiated yourselves within the community, man, I, it, it kind of makes sense. You know what I'm and saying? We love DC. Like honestly, like that was my favorite place in the world. Like I used to go yeah. around, the, went around the world, and everybody would be like, "Where's your favorite 
I was like, yeah. nothing like DC, man. Ain't nothing like it. Like it's just so different. Yeah. Like, like go go. Yeah. Like that's yeah. he treated his own. It's yeah. a one of one. It ain't gonna never be no place like that DMV yeah. for you, especially but okay. DC in that. Like exactly. I love so, DC. So look, so here, here, here the album drops, man. And you leading off with "If I Ever Fall in Love" is going crazy. You guys got Martin singing it on the Martin show. What did, hey, what did y'all think? Let me, what did you think about that when Martin did the joint on on the on the, uh, the Martin show that first season, man? What was it? Man, <laughs> all that stuff was like a dream. It was just like all surreal, like because yeah. I used to play a role on Sequest at MCA's lot, like. We had submitted baby, what well, they wanted baby on yours for a love scene in this new show coming out called Sequest. It was like I a million dollars. Yeah. When I was there viewing it, they let us come view the set because it was all that, you know. And they okay. asked it to me, and it was like, yo, have you ever done any acting? Of course, I lied. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and they, 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 they had this part called Malik for this, this episode. And um, I, I was, you know, I, I got to play the role and everything. Damn, you was on Sequest. I got hold on. I got, I got, I got check YouTube, man. Let me see. Let me see like, you on Sequest, man. But, but that was all. I'm saying that to say, like, all that kind of stuff was just like, wow. And so the whole series of events was like that. Matter of fact, think about this, man. Like, I had just joined that group. We did that talent show. And then maybe like two months later, we were signed to a major deal. And all of a sudden now I'm on Arsenio singing songs. And I'm still trying to learn. Like Comforter. And then I'm singing lead. Like, yeah, because you do you do the lead on Comforter, man. We like, walk I, thought, I told Darnell, like I thought I was just gonna be the guy that was gonna be in the background, which I was gonna be cool with. This y'all group. I'm just gonna come in and just kind of yeah, like man. Just that, like, one, that one right there, that was the one for me, man. Like that was the one that that really like if I ever if I, if I ever fall in love, of course that one is the one that's beloved. But to me, my shit was that comforter, man. Let me tell you what you did for us, man. Yo, walk me through Thank that, you, man. man. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what it did for us because so we green to the industry, man. We coming in. Well, Carl was the only one that kind of had business savvy in the industry because he really okay. aspired to be in the industry. Yeah, I never wanted to be in the industry, so I didn't have any like preconceived, right. you know, whatever. So I'm in it. And um, I'm noticing that we getting sent, you know, because we were at MCA and the money was in the pop stations because black. Now you were there. You guys were on Gasoline Alley, I believe. Yeah, um, Gasoline Alley was actually a joint venture with MCA instead of. But that wasn't that wasn't it was a, a subsidiary. subsidiary. Oh, it was a joint venture, believe it or not, because the guy. Yo, was, I had no was, idea. If you look at Randy Phillips, he's one of the big wigs in the industry to this day. Like Red Ant, he was. One of the, he just mm. he wanted to put that Michael Jackson tour out. Like yeah. he, he came from a background of being the manager of Rod Stewart. He started a label, but he knew Al Keller over at MCA and they were good friends. So Randy and him had a joint venture together. It was just, his was a smaller thing, I had no idea. but the money behind it was big. Just like, you know, so um, Arnold Stiefel and Randy Phillips, that was Gasoline Alley. So we signed to them, but they immediately, because they, they're, they're, Purview was white radio. That's who they they didn't have black artists. They didn't know nothing about black radio. Yeah, and I'm just about to ask who, who else was on Gasoline Alley. Uh, the only black group on a, before we came on there was this group called Apollo um, Brotherhood Creed. They had that song, Hell of a Hell of a. She's a hell of a. Hell oh, I, remember, I never knew the name of that group. <laughs> yep. Yo, that song was fire though. That's yeah, like that's that's cool. though. And um, but that was yeah. the only experience they had with black anything. Oh, no. 
And so when we joined, and they they wanted to put it, they had all the connections with white radio over Europe, MTV Europe, MTV every like I'm gonna tell you, we were the first, we were on, we were on the pilot episode of this show called MTV Unplugged. It was us, mm. Tupac, and um, Tony, Tony, Tony did the first episode of that. But that was all connections of Randy Phillip and all that. And they, so they didn't care about black radio. And right. we didn't know that that was like, it went down like that. They Because black, pop radio was charted, it had you charting right. higher, more money comes from pop radio. And they were trying to open pop. And we was from HBCU, we weren't really having it. So we started <laughs> dynamics. But by that time, you know, Silk was out too, and Silk had hit all the black radio stations, right? Yeah. You know, but we hadn't hit any of them. And so the radio stations was looking at us personally like we were sellouts at that time. Right. They was looking at us like, yo, them bamboos don't want to come check us out. We was like, we, we once we got wind that that was a narrative, because we didn't have no control over where we was going. We were just yeah, going. I, I was just about that. So, so you guys, like, how, how did you, overall, man, like, how did you feel as far as like you being promoted, man? Because I noticed, man. Let me just say this, bro. Y'all saw the songs, man. They did really well on the on their own. On their own. own. Let me tell you, we pissed the label. All of them like was like even on the pop charts, man. Even the one, my one of my least, uh, I don't want to say my least, but it's my least favorite of the three top singles. You know that yeah, still, yeah, baby, I'm yours. That's my still, least favorite too. My least favorite too. I used to hate performing it, everything, but yeah. look. It, went, it still went high on the pop charts, though. Yeah, it was in it was in the top ten. But let me tell you yeah. about Baby I'm Yours and Comforter. So Comforter would have never came out. They wanted Baby I'm Yours to come out after If I Ever because it was pop sounding. And that's when we finally rose up and was like, "Hold up, man! Y'all making us alienate our black market. We went to a black college. That's not a good look for us at all. Y'all got to have some. Some got to give. So we finally start flexing a little bit of our power because If I Ever sold so many records, then we had a little leverage now to kind of talk a little, you know, loose back. And uh, I was one of them, right. and we like, yo. And so uh, we were like, the, the, the market, we in the marketplace, they telling us they like Comforter, man. Forget this baby, I'm yours. They like Comforter. And we knew Comforter sounded black. It was a black song. Hell yeah. And, um, and then I just happened to be the lead on it, so I was really loving it. Like, And so I was, we was telling the label, look, man, the, 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 you don't put baby, I'm yours out. Comforter, people want to hear Comforter. They don't want to hear baby, I'm yours. And they were like, the analytics says that. Da, 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 da. He's like, man. So they was trying to, they wanted to put us in our place. They were basically telling us, like how they told LeBron just to play ball, and yeah, they were yeah. telling us, just saying, we got this part. He was like, nah, money, y'all ain't got this part, because y'all about to F this up for us. Right, and right, y'all right. put two singles out on us and show us. I see how it's going. I see what it is now. And so they were like, okay, we'll put Comforter out. And they they basically bet us that Comforter wouldn't do well. Crazy. And we was like, y'all <laughs> crack or something, right? So what they did was they gave us this low budget video and they didn't do any promotion for Comforter at all. But because people like you genuinely love that song, I, was about to say, I couldn't tell. It drove record sales because people actually love that song. It wasn't because of radio airplay or anything. The spins it got was on its own spins. It wasn't because of the radio station pounding the pavement, getting the program yeah. director added. No, they ain't worked that record at all. But yeah. Comfort just rose to his own level, and and it went gold without no push. Mm. And that that made with it, all it, number four. Yeah, and that's still with no push. They they nope. wanted the album to not do well so they can prove a point to us. And so on the heels of that, then they put Baby I'm Yours out, and they put all this money behind Baby I'm Yours. 
all this money behind Baby I'm Yours. Let me and, say uh, this. Let me say this real quick. It's not that I don't like Baby I'm Yours. I like the song. Like when I hear the singing and I, and I hear it on the live version, it's just the music. It's pop. Like it sounds too poppy, man. It's it sounds like too If they had took that, that. Yeah, why did it? <laughs> I was like, come on, you don't, you don't, you coming out with you, you, you coming hard with this, this acapella ballad, man. That's just crazy. Got the city on fire. Got the country on smash. Man, and it, 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 why would you want not to? If Baby Yours had been able to stay like just with the p a piano and our voices, like on the back at your album, do it like that. Man, they didn't want us to. They didn't want us. They didn't want it. They wanted to make us something we wasn't, and, and we that was us fighting them. Like the whole, there was yeah. a it was a fight, man. And um, Comforter came out because of that fight. They wanted to really. That was supposed to be the song where we fell on our face, and we was gonna have to. Say, okay, you guys were right, but it Comforter won, and so they was mad. And then they tried to make Baby I'm Yours outdo Comforter, which worked for us for chart position because they put money behind Comforter until it reached. The top ten, they they wasn't yeah. gonna do that if it didn't, and so yeah. we got three singles out that first album, which gave us a good leverage to renegotiate and everything yeah. like that. But um, yeah. the song "Yours" that's on the next album, that acapella "Yours," that was supposed to be the remix to "Baby I'm Yours." I was about to say, and, why you got? I always wonder why y'all got two songs that similar names. What was that? Yeah, all about? that was supposed to be the remix to come right after because Coco and SWB had put um the Human Nature remix and the other yeah. thing out at the same time. And they was and the label, our label was scared to do that because they thought our songs was gonna compete against each other. And we was like, no, stupid. This is they're gonna actually both of them go get traction. Like y'all right, right. So they, yeah, they yours, I like I love I love yours, man. That's my shit. And it was that was a good song, man. And and that was like one of the first times I got to really, really write my own verse and, and do my thing. And you no could hear the jazz influences yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, what you need and I won't you know, it's like a jazz. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was fun. We was in New York doing that video, man. It was where y'all record that album at? That album, actually, it was in Carl's house. We had built a studio for the second go around. And, so um, how long? How long did it take for y'all to put that put that uh, project together? Like a year. We took a year. Okay. The first album was two weeks. We was like, no, nah, we're not doing that again. Yeah. And so we took a year to kind of just create. And okay, but that was like a, a weird struggle. That was like the first signs of Carl mm -hmm. kind of going this way and us like you know it was a lot of just noise and you know the industry stuff so, like okay so let's, let's go back a little bit now when i think about like that first particular album man a lot of those songs like the, the you know the, the classics the hits are ballads now did you guys ever have a product this is around the same the time that new jack's uh swing is really sure. popular we but was all with teddy believe it or not um when we was at howard we went down and went to future to kick it with Teddy because he was going, he was thinking about signing us. Yeah, um, but, they, but you guys, what I'm trying to say is like you guys didn't really do New Jack Swing though. Like nah. I noticed, like we, we, you we, guys we, started that different lane. You guys were like when 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 rhythm and blues started to change, and you were got you guys were kind of like at the forefront where you wasn't having those drum patterns, you know, like the mm -hmm. the, the New Jack Swing type, you know. So what I'm what I'm trying to ask is. Did you guys did you guys ever balk at you know uh doing all these ballads? Did you guys prefer to do the ballads? Like whose idea was this? As far well, as we, we were just creating what felt good in the moment. Like we never really geared our um our sessions to produce uh, like strategically, like, we need a single like this, we need to we need a up tempo. We, we never even approached it like that. Yeah, we, we were just creating what felt good for us. Mm -hmm. and, um, and a lot of them was mid-tempo and ballads was is what was coming out of us. 
Right. And so we just roll with that, you know, trying to find our place, trying to find our sound and stuff within that because we produced all of our own stuff at that yeah. time. So um, it was just us trying to find who we were and people kn knowing that people knew us for singing um, harmonies and stuff like right. that. So we was trying to stick to at least something close enough to where in the marketplace people could recognize us. But we did want to, we, we would have liked, like my, myself and Darnell coming from our hip hop backgrounds, we would like to have had some songs with some tempo that was still slick on a melodic tip. Like we ended up, me and Darnell wrote this song that we did with Jay-Z um, called Tonight. And um, it became like in New York, number one, hot eight eight for almost the whole summer up there. Mm. And, so um, did another joint with Jay-Z on that, um, on that, uh, yeah, Jay Z, and then we did so many KRS one. We got with this independent label out of Baltimore, um, called, um, you know, well, rest in peace, the dude named Michael Jackson. He was a, a wide receiver for the Ravens, had a label. Oh, whoa, 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 big play. Hold up, Michael, rest in peace. Yeah, Michael Jackson, um, he, he died in a motorcycle crash. Um, when was this? I remember it used to be him and Michael Jackson and Derek Alexander. Yeah, yeah, and so Michael I, Jackson started the label. Not to go off topic, but you just you yeah. kind of at me right there. It was a tragic thing where I think he was he was because he had become the mayor of like somewhere in New Orleans and stuff. Brother, you didn't you didn't man. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me try to stay focused, man. Because yo, I remember Michael J. I know he's the Cleveland Browns. He was nice, man. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland had just moved to Baltimore, and yeah, so he was, and then this we signed to that label, and we did this song called Destiny with KRS One. And we wanted that to be the title track and the first single, but they and that was an up to and that song was banging. That was the only time Karis One has ever done a song with an R and B group. He loved our content so much, and the beat was so dope. Matter of fact, Tigger used that. Darnell made the beat. Tigger used that beat on um uh, the, the show they used to do on BET. The um the basement joint, basement, and yeah, Roots, Ray Kwan and them was in there freestyling to that beat. Man, it was it was it was crazy. But um, so, that's yeah, crazy. So so look. That um that first album you also you had like two more singles that that uh, hit on the chops. They didn't go very high, but so but you got three top ten singles. You got two more two other singles that uh, charted. Now overall, were you, were you guys pleased with the album overall? Yeah, especially Blackface. Blackface was an album that was kind of slept on during when it came like the in real time, and then later. No, I'm talking about the first, first project. I'm talking about the first oh, album. Yeah. Were you pleased? I'm not even on. I'm not even on blackface. We didn't even get oh, to blackface yet. For an album to be for an album to be created and done in two weeks to have like sexual on there and together forever. Like we have some 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 good songs on there. You know, like, like, this know, one right here. If y'all don't know, <laughs> hey, y'all need to go ahead and cop this, man. I got the classic, man. I was trying to hide this stuff on this on this album. I don't know why y'all wearing shades, man. What's that all about, man? <laughs> well, I, I, I was trying to, I had the hood on trying to hide because I, I didn't want, I was real sensitive about people trying to separate me and make me be like this thing from the group. Like people, was, like, it was a lot of people in my ear trying to make me like, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, and, I, and so on the first, on the album. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. Let's go into that a little bit, man. Because <laughs> the ladies, but let's, yo, this is the Bridge of the Generation podcast. We got, we got to keep it a bang. I personally remember around that time, brother, the women in, in school were, bro, they could not, they used to go crazy when you used to sing lead, brother. Like my fiance right now is a diehard, shy fan. When you sing on, on Comforter and Come With Me and all, 
Bro, oh, I vividly bro. I remember so so what I'm trying to say is what I'm trying to say is, brother, like, how was it, man, like being the sex symbol of the group, crazy. man? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how was that, bro? And the ladies wanna, you know, the ladies wanna know, man. Like for me, like and no disrespect to Darnell and the rest of the brothers, but that, I'm just saying, I'm just telling you what I remember and what I saw. That's it. I'ma just keep it a bean. For me, man, it was it was like a blur and it was surreal. It was like, I, for one, to go from not expecting to ever be in no industry like that to not having yeah. no dreams of it. I never dreamed about being an arm. I, I never cared about being in no industry. It just kind of happened. And then once I'm in there looking around like, yo, what is this I'm in? You know, like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? And then at the same time, I'm getting pulled here and then like, yo, and I'm like, what's going on? And then I'm yeah. getting, you're such a, and I'm like, people swear at me? Is that is you're married? You're married at this time, right? Not yet. Um, I like early on I wasn't. I end up getting married. Like by black FaceTimes, I was married. Okay. Early, I, I was married in Howard though. Um I got married twice. I was oh. married. I was married when I was real young, um, while I was in the nation, and then I got a divorce, and then I was single, and then I got married around black FaceTime. Okay. So doing that first album, I was just this, I was young and single. And um, it was just like, it was just like I remember, I remember this lady from Ford Modeling Agency walked up to me at a, a it was some show we went to, and um, she she came up to me and and asked me if I wanted to um have a modeling like model and stuff like that. Right. I'm like, and this I, was around was this around the group? This around the group. Well, was standing right there with me, and she came up to me like that, and I told her, you know, respectfully, I declined because I didn't want. To be like, I didn't want it to be Garfield. Talk about that, man. Talk about that, cause so man, I, I came from a, like I was an athlete. I came from a team yeah. background. I came from playing ball. I came from going to state championships, and you ride with your team, and like you know, saying everybody get accolades, but if you ain't winning the game, you don't even care about the accolades. So, like when she came to me, like I could, I saw it in in in, in stark things. Like that would have been a moment if I had gotten that off. If I had to say yeah. They could have, I would have ended up maybe getting bigger than the group. Like, like I didn't want to, I didn't, I wanted the group to, it was dope, man. I wanted us to, so I did a lot of kind of like compensating for that, you know, for the group with that kind of energy and stuff like that. I, I, I was flattered by a lot of it. You know, don't get me wrong. And I was young and, you know, I was like a kid in candy store, a lot of the stuff, but I was always kind of still like, I, I, I didn't want to be the cause of us, you know, I didn't, I didn't really have that kind of an ego to really, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I felt like I was a handsome dude and all. I ain't, you know, but I ain't, I didn't, I was come off, man. Like, like the thing, I think the, the, the reason why, you know, being in high school around this time, man, what I remember, man, like the ladies, the girls used to go crazy because it was like, you was just being yourself, man. It wasn't really? like, yo, you, you wasn't being extra. I was always you just know, me, man. That's, that's all I know to be. Like, it, wasn't, it wasn't, you know, cause you know, they say the light skinned dudes, it's a stigma to come up and all that nonsense, but you didn't fit that. You didn't fit that 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 stereotype. You were just, you know, you just it seemed like you just was just you. You ain't go out of your way to be extra. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, think of my background. Like think of me being like coming through the nation and different. Like you, you ain't gonna that ain't that ain't what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> real quick. You know what I'm saying? Bro, you, I mean, you telling me you up in paradise? You up in paradise and, and Kenilworth and all that, bro? Yeah, I was walking. Yeah. I was in that. So I, it, that wasn't in my brain, like you know, like like I said, you know, all my life, I, you know, I've always been like complimented on being handsome and that kind of. So I understood yeah. that, you know, but I, 
it wasn't it wasn't something that was like I was trying to be. God just gave me some features. Right, right. I'm like, okay, right, cool. Right. Man, thanks, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm just telling you, man. I wouldn't be again. And this would not be bridging the generation podcast where we keep it real, where we keep it a thousand, a hundred thousand percent, man. And and you know, so a lot, a lot of the women they want to know about that, man. So I have to ask those questions, man, because they gonna give me a hard time when it when this video come out because I vividly remember when. Especially when this came out, bro, it exactly. was, it was, bro, the blackface, man, this is right at the time I'm graduating high school, and brother, when you sang on Come With Me live, uh, I believe it was at the Apollo. Yo, I was married brother. at the time, and, and there was oh, my wife in the video. <laughs> Yo, that was the hold up, hold up, hold <laughs> up. Your wife in the video. Yeah, in the video for Come With Me, that was actually my wife. Um, now, I remember Gabrielle Union in the video. Oh, nah, nah, she wasn't in that video. That was how to remember, believe me. <laughs> we had Ananda and Baby I'm Yours. And um, but for that, for that video, Tina, um, she was pregnant with my um son Mizan. And um okay. yeah, with the twins, it was Mizan in that video. And um, we shot in two locations, and that was <laughs> on a yacht in New York in the bay. Okay. And okay. Um, but yeah, man, I, it, it was just like a blur, like that whole thing of being, you know, just being propped up as like this, one of the fly guys of the industry and all that, you know, like I, I was like, it was dope, you know what I mean? But at the same time, it was like, Hollywood was Hollywood and I never was that. Yeah. I knew that, that as soon or later, you're going to have to come down to who you actually are. So I never yeah. even tried to put myself in that to have to come down. I just how stayed. Did you stay grounded? How, how did you stay grounded during that I time? Was, you're in the moment, brother. Like you coming off a platinum album. I ain't even mention that. The yeah. album goes platinum. You singing lead, you know, on, on songs, man. You doing your thing, man. How, you know, I'm listening to you. So how did you, how were you able to stay grounded around this time? I, you know, I was just made like that, I guess. Cause you know, like whoever you are, that's, that's going to come. The industry going to make that times 30, you know, um, mm -hmm. I mean, um, if, if you're trying to be something else, you know, it's going to be exposed in times 30 rather. And so mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, I came like, we well, went to Howard. It was like the industry, like I ended up being a popular guy at Howard, like and stuff like that for various reasons or whatever. So yeah. it was a smaller pond, but big fish in that pond. And some kind yeah. of I had I rose to the kind of top of my grade in that thing. So when I got into the industry, I wasn't overwhelmed by the industry. I wasn't it wasn't nothing impressive right. to the degree that I was going to change who I was for it. And, okay. you know, I, it was just like I was just me in that space. I was already used to getting certain types of attention. Right. Stuff, you know, it was like, you know, it wasn't a big deal, actually. Yeah, I, I wasn't even tripping on that attention. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make music and have fun with my boys yeah. and play ball. If anything, I wanted to just, you know, buy fancier equipment to shoot ball with and, right. <laughs> and music, play, do music and learn, you know. Like so I, so by the second, uh, by the second album, you all, you guys are already out of Howard. You guys all, all you guys all graduated. We left. When we got our deal, we left, we left Howard, you know. Okay. So what was, what was, what was the, you know, what was the vision? What was the, you know, the inspiration as we go into this, the, this Blackface album? Because I'm, I, um, before I get into that, matter, matter of fact, I forgot about you guys also had a song on the, uh, the soundtrack, the Beverly Hills 3 soundtrack. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I love that. Yeah. Song. Which was also on the Blackface. I mentioned, I mentioned, yeah. uh, you know, I mentioned that because that, that song is on the Blackface project too. So what was that called like? What was that called like, you know? Well, that was like, okay, so they wanted, you know, Beverly Hills Cop 3, which was an Eddie Murphy movie was going to come out. And um, 
Eddie Murphy had a track record of, you know, the clumps and all this. You know, Eddie Murphy was always having dope movies. Hell yeah. yeah. This particular one was a flop, which is like, damn. Because yeah. what happened to this uh, song, it was rising up the charts fast. Yeah. And MCA had made a, a partnership deal with Sony Pictures or whoever put that out. Okay. And they, they both were promoting the song. And the, the, the movie was doing it because it was the first single off the soundtrack. Right. The movie. And our label was doing it because we were their artists. Mm. When the movie stopped, started tanking, um, the, the the Sony films pulled their promotion dollars from it. Like, oh, well, we done. Mm. So MCA was like, well, we're not going to promote it by ourselves. So they pulled their dollars. And so even though it was with a bullet and it was climbing, they pulled the money. I love that song, man. It was like it couldn't climb no more because it didn't have no more support and stuff like yeah. that. But everybody, you know, they got a good whiff of it. The people, right. you know, right. you know Todd, that was one of their songs that they, they kind of rock with. And for performance wise, that was one of my favorite songs. Like we come, we come out to that. That's our first song we perform. We come out. That's our first, and that got a little tempo to it. Yeah, that misery. Yeah, that's why. that's why you guys um, put it on the put it on the blackface project. Yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. like I said, when it when it um, when that project came out, man, that song. You guys, when you guys used to perform that, I used to watch. You know, see you guys on BT or Soul Train, whatever, performing that, man. The reception was crazy, and it's always dawned on me like, yo, why isn't this song bigger? It was a bluesy feel. It was dope. Yeah. It was. It had a good, good vibe to it. It was a good mood like to it, and the contrast and leave. Like I sung the second verse, Darnell did the first, so our contrasting styles. It it worked on that. It just really worked on that, and I just love you guys. Okay, so now you know you just mentioned like when you performed that song live. One thing about Shy, I always remember, man. Shout always put it down as far as live performances, man. You guys are one of the best live performance performers in the industry, hands down. So yeah. I say that I say that to say this, man. How important was it for you guys to just still hone your crap and, and bring that dynamic as far as live performances? Well, that was you know, because we started off in a little room with a piano singing a cappella. Mm-hmm. Like, Local part of what we did was important to us. Um, we used to, like I said, if I ever, which end up like if you go to YouTube, it's like eighty-five million people. Mm. Um, that the the notes, the pitch, like the craft of like putting together arrangements and stuff really meant something to us. So when we went live, yeah. we really wanted to represent that to the fullest, and um, we put a lot of time and work in it. It's like you know how Steph Curry they showed him on the clock shooting a hundred and. For five minutes straight and made 120. I saw that um a couple of weeks ago. That was crazy. That's clearly a byproduct of putting in some work. Like even if you talented, you can I can't even make 105 layups in a row because you're gonna get tired on one of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That just you got so us as shy, yeah, put so much work in honing that craft that you know when we got on stage, it was the fun time and everything was just kind of on point back in those days. Because plus we was competing against bomb ass groups man like Jodeci and Silk and Boys the Men and H Town and dudes can sing they butt that's yeah, yeah. black street like brothers yeah. that below so here we were in the middle of the fray like yo we gotta bring it and everybody felt that way you know what I'm saying yeah. so it was just one of those things that 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 time period I think everybody had like a lot of um a lot of like uh emphasis placed on their live performances because they knew that they was gonna be on the show with Shy, or they was gonna be on the show with Boy yeah. and Wanye going nuts, you know, like you, you know, KC and JoJo. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah you gotta come with it. You know, <laughs> you know, my favorite. You might be surprised, man. 
But when I went to see you guys back in, I think it was the summer of 95, man, this is the one I remember that you guys killed to this day. To this day, man, this is probably my favorite Shy song, man. And it's that Together Forever Live. Man. That's so beautiful, man. Mark gave both in high school. That boy wrote that in high school. He wrote that song in high school, man. Before he started. I'll bring him out, bro, to the end. He plays that. That's him playing that piano. That bling, bling. Oh, Mark played. Yeah, yeah. Baby Grand Piano used to come up from the floor and surface on the stage, and then Mark would go sit down, and then Darnell would be like, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Gay. Yeah. Man. That is my favorite to this day, man. That's my that may not be my favorite shy song, but that's my favorite shy song performing live. Yeah, that, that was beautiful, man. And like a lot of wedding requests for that, you know. Yeah. And that was one of the songs that could have been a you know a, a, a single type of thing if the label really, really put behind this because people really like that song. You know? Yeah, I, lo I love that joint, man. So look, we let me go back to this blackface project. And this is my this is my formative years, you know. Okay. I'm in high school. Well, black black body graduate. And yeah. and I, all I remember, man, all I remember, this song I vividly remember. It's '95. Um, Jodeci has uh, "Freaking You" and what's the song with T-Bars in the video. And I mean, uh, um, ah, man, and she's throwing this stuff. She's throwing this stuff off the. Uh, if you believe in love, oh, oh, that's JoJo and KC by themselves. Um, no, it's Jodeci. It's um. Ah oh, man, I don't believe. But anyway, those you love is, jo is Jodeci. Could you believe in love? Well, whatever it is, that song is that song is like well, that time. That's the time when Diary of a Mad Band was out when they had um, that's, no, no, that's the, no, no, no. It's the hotel. It's the hotel. Nah, I get no golf here, golf here. It's the show, the hotel, the after party. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I that. It's 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 that. That. it's that's it's right. that album. So I remember seeing that video come on, and then I see Come With Me. Man, bro, I was watching that like off the I said, man, this song is amazing. And I'm just like, when is the album come to find out? Like, the album was already out. Like, I'm late to the song. I got to tell you how they did this, man. This shit was Yo, talk about that, bro. Like, come on, bro. Like, advertise this, man. So, like, that was a classic, bro. Let's, let's. They got us good, too, man. Like, okay, so it was a lot of internal things. It was a lot of things happening with the MCA. So, Gasoline Alley dissolved because Randy Phillips wanted to go do other things. He started this company called Red Ant. And so, talk about this album right here, by the way. Yeah. So we, we got put on MCA like proper, like from Gasoline Alley with MCA. We okay. got straight on the MCA with Mary J's project coming out and all that kind of stuff. So I even it even started like with the art. So we had done Arsenio Hall show, and Arsenio had brought Minister Farrakhan on and received and major heat. I remember that. Continue. <laughs> Continue. So basically, he, that was the last. That was it for him. And so we came on, we went on Arsenio like twice. And this, the second time we went on was after that had happened. Now, of course, me coming out of the nation, I I, I gave him big ups and props on the show for doing what he did. And the president of our company, Randy, was sitting there in the audience, saw all of this transpiring. He, his homeboys, I'm sure, in those circles, was not feeling that. And so that started this real low key, like, okay, we're going to just sabotage these dudes. But we, and I knew it, I could feel it. And um, so 
Okay, so blackface is about to come out. They 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 have this humongous thing in Boca Raton with a distribution company called Uni Distribution. They let us go to the MCA prop department for the movies and pick these big, huge Egyptian chairs. And we had the girls walking around dressed in the Egyptian thing with the blunt bob cuts with the incense. And we had a live band and we performed all the songs on blackface for the distribution people. They loved it. We killed it. Um, and so because um, they didn't, we named the album Blackface One. I named it. I, I came up with that. And I, what I was trying to do was create a counter narrative from what Al Jolson had done to us with the blackface, with the cork right, and all right, that. Right. Bamboo. I was trying to like flip the script and say, hold up, the blackface is a beautiful face. And um, the original design that we had for the album, they shot the artwork down. We were supposed to be these pharaohs in this dark tunnel lit up by torch. The rocks will be peeling off the wall and pieces of our flesh will be revealed as, as as actual living hieroglyphs under the stone with a flame. Talking about blackface. And the label, of, the, I, label, the, label, the label did not want that to happen. So then I came up with an artist rendering of all of our faces, like a piece of my nose next to a piece of Carl's nose, maybe eyes of Darnell next to. And it was like one face with all of our features on it. They shot that down. And what you see right there is what they end up letting us do. And um. So they already were mad at blackface. We wanted to feature the hieroglyphs a little more. So they kind of let us do that. But the main thing was when it came time for the album release, usually you put a single out um, before the album comes out and um, it sets up the album. Well, these right. fools, well, they weren't fools. They did this on purpose. Even though I, they- I knew I wasn't tripping. I, like I said, let, let me just say this real quick. I knew I wasn't tripping because I didn't. I didn't even know the album was out. Yeah, it was out. Nobody, look, let me oh, tell you. Oh, go ahead, bro. Talk, 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 talk. Let me tell you. Uh, this is so crazy. The label, man, got our albums, dope-looking albums, kind of came out fly. They put the albums in stores without a single first. And so by the time our single came out, and when they put it in stores, usually when you go to the record store, it'd be this little chalkboard. They'd be yeah. like, new, re- new release is coming. Release. And, and they got like Mary J dropping on 131. They didn't have nothing with shy on it, nothing. So our albums are sitting in these stores, no single out yet. The single comes out in four weeks. By the time our single comes out, the people from the record store ain't sold no albums. They sending them back to the label. So it's looking like our album is flopping. flopping. And so what ended up happening when the single finally came out, Come With Me did so good in terms of creating a buzz that even though they sent all that stuff back, our album still was gold, certified gold off the top. Which it would have been certified platinum had that single come out first. Right, right. of so course. They, they, and, and as a label like that, MCA, you don't just make that mistake on accident. Like that ain't an accident, bro. They, they did this that. this album, with no disrespect to this one, got the got the bigger hits, but this album right here is a is a more complete album. Yeah, it was growth. It showed up. It was a more, more complete album from beginning to end. Like you know, you got I don't want to be alone. Yeah, both. That, that's a classic right there. I don't know why that wasn't higher. You know, you got you got some out of the storm. It's some it's some classics yeah. on it. It's really a drop off, man. And it seemed like there was a concept. Like this album was a concept. Yeah. Yeah, it was. We had the poem. I wrote this little poem that went all the way through the thing. And then um, you know, like we we really put that together. Like, you know, we really crafted that. Right. Um the label, they were behind it at first until we went on Arsenio and I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and you could see the energy change. You know, like you, you, you've been in situations. Maybe you talk to a girl and once in your life, and then you, might, you say one thing, 
and you don't even realize it. And then all of a sudden you see the energy shift. You're like, damn, what happened to Shorty? <laughs> it was like that. I can feel that shift, like with the label. Like, damn, what's going on with them? We don't feel the same no more. And that's yeah. what that's so, what so, so is this MCA or is this Gasoline Alley? This is MCA proper, like straight MCA did that. Al Taylor and his people, like, you know, because we had allies at first over there. Um, Ernie and um, A.B. A. Williams, A.D. Williams, rest in peace. And Ernie, too, I think, passed away. And Ernie Singleton. And um, they were black. And they were like right. the main big historical legends over there with the black music department. But right, they, right. you know, at that time, they kind of like the MCA was being consolidated. Like all of them, the labels had was merging into this one big super label thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so they kind of left the scene. They kind of got, you know, lost in the sauce and that. And um, we didn't have any more allies over there and stuff. And so it just kind of turned into a corporate situation mm -hmm. where we didn't have, you know, it comes down to the politics and who you have. And um, we didn't really have anybody. Like we we had Shaq Kim because we were signed a flavor unit for Blackface. Uh, as our manager, Queen Atifa was our, you know, Shaq Kim and everybody was our manager at that time. So he renegotiated this a good deal on a Blackface album that we wouldn't have otherwise got had he not came in there with his mouthpiece and his business mm -hmm. acumen and his intimidating style. You know, nobody was scared of Shaq Kim. <laughs> but Shaq Kim knew the business. He wouldn't let them. I heard about Shaq Kim. <laughs> man, they need to do a documentary on that guy, man. Um, like Tretch and them, they'll tell you about Shaq, man. Um, but so he, thank God, we kind of signed with him. And then for a little while, and they kind of like allowed us to have the life that we did have um, for this Black Folk album. But yeah, so they when, this, man. So, so you know, around this time, like uh, you know, that uh, the first album is is that shit went platinum. The second album went gold. Now, have you guys' lives like how did your lives change? I always like to ask artists, man. How did you guys' lives change as far as you know the finances, man? Cause we hear all the horror stories, man. Right. Did, well, you did, know, when we first got put on, it was like. Man, coming from a college scenario, you be broke all the time in college. All the time. I you know. Get, you get a couple hundred thousand, you's like, yo, I can eat now, like for real eat. Like, you know what I mean? So No, y'all was seeing a hundred thousand off the first album? Oh no, no, I'm just saying I'm using that number. Um how oh. we got um no, we got a we got a nice little amount though off the first album because we got um we got like a lot of new artist contracts they don't get like I think we at least got fifty percent of our publishing off the top. Okay. Okay. And so the label got 50 and we got 50 to split, which is for a first album. Usually, like at that time, uh, artists artists were getting gypped and get that was that was pretty like what from what I've, I've understood and what I've researched, that was pretty standard. That was pretty standard, maybe a little bit better than standard, but pretty stand in the standard range. Um, and how long we were, and then the fact that we were able to um uh, break like when we finished, we broke even, we didn't we didn't owe money, right. you know, we had okay. and everything so. Okay. That was good. They didn't have that hanging over our head. Okay. So, so, so as 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 you guys, you know, um, this this blackface album is out. I'm gonna be honest, man. I remember the album. So if you were to ask me, man, and here in DC, that shit was popping. Like I didn't know, like what you're telling me. Yeah. I, I I used to realize, like I would see these songs on, you know, on the, I would hear the songs on the radio, and I would see you perform them and on uh on TV. But I just didn't really see it in the store, so it was just weird to me. But, but the music, we always, man, we always was just there. there. The people got the love that we got. The people always that that shy was a people yeah. group. Like we were not a yeah. part of a label. Label you didn't invent us. They didn't. You couldn't tell me that uh, uh, you know, come to me wasn't like a top five hit. Like here in DC, 
it was played everywhere. It was. It and was, was it lucky because yeah. in the major market, so like like folks like you who like music, the black folks in the major markets like New York and DC, it was organically a favorite, which gave the illusion that it was everywhere in the United States. I didn't know. Growing up here, never left like DC around that time. So to me, like it seemed like it looked like business as usual, even though right. I didn't really see the album in stores like that. So, you know, what being, you know, like you just explained to me what happened, you know, as yeah. well as MCA, when did this start to be? And I hate to even, I hate to ask these questions, man, but when did it start to be like, you know, like when did it start to be like some type of, you know, was it, did that lead to like maybe possibly turmoil in the group? Well, Carl always kind of wanted to do his own thing anyways. Like, so that was always a, like a, a, a stitch, consistent theme going through the <laughs> Carl. He wrote, he wrote. Because he wrote If I Ever, which, you know, was an incredible lyrical thing that he did. Yeah. Um, he he kind of, and he he actually was one of the, he wanted to be in the industry. Like, that was a dream of his. Like, he that was his. So here comes Garfield, who ain't even like, aspiring yeah. industry and then I all of a sudden getting I'm getting all this attention and love like yo <laughs> I wasn't even trying to be in the thing but here I am like yeah. you know so I'm sure that that was an issue and stuff like yeah. that but um you know Carl was a talented writer man like he, he used to study country music and soap operas and get good plots and stuff like that right. and everything but um yeah that, that he kind of broke off like we could have kept it going but he kind of wanted to do his own thing so, so he was the first. He was the first to leave. Yeah, he was, and it was me, Darnell, and Mark, and that's how we got to Michael Jackson Big Play Records in Baltimore. Just the three of us, and okay. we independent from from that. We split with MCA, and we okay. we didn't owe them any money. It was a clean split. We went straight to um Big Play Records, and we did an album called Destiny, and um and with the title cut with us and KRS One, our first up tempo, real yeah, up tempo. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, because I. Yeah, I remember y'all being a trio. I thought it was weird, but yeah, it was weird. I mean, you know, <laughs> but the music was still no offense no. to um, no, 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 no offense to, to you know, I want to say it, man. But <laughs> yo, to be honest, man, as long as y'all had Garfield, man, <laughs> Garfield, and, 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 and you know, what I'm saying Donnell, man, like yeah. you guys really like the sound of the group, man. To be yeah. not to not to be. Um, disrespectful because I, you know, like you said, man, his his singing and I mean his talent as far as songwriting is 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 is, is immaculate. But um, you know, so you guys get down to a trio and you put out that Destiny project, man. Yeah. Then you know, a couple of years later, man, go by and you you guys, you know, you put out an album and you you got different members in the group. So what what led to that, man? Are you guys, you know, um, you know, going through different members, you know, as you um, trying to believe. Keep that four man sound just to have a harmony where we could do four members because a lot of our identity was based off of us having four part harmony. So, but the people that we chose to put in were always people who had been in us. Like Eric Willis was the first person we put in who we actually worked with us on the on that um that mm. album, and he went to Howard with us. Like he was he came into Howard real cool. You know, um, the Wayans brothers who you know Marlon was at Howard. Yeah. And, um, you know, like. We knew him from that, and so we put him in in the group. Okay, us all, and we sung with him a lot back then. So we was like somebody we were familiar with. And okay. then later on, when we put Dwayne and G Fly in the group, who's still in there with us now, they were from the group Riff that was like Darnell's Big Brothers at, at Eastside High School. And G Fly was the latest. Is that the latest incarnation of the group? Yeah, 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 yep, yep. Two, and they, they were in uh, the group Men of Vision, and so. Mm. 
they went on. And so we, we, we kind of put them in with us and stuff like that. So we, they were already in the, in, in the circuit. Okay. They were already in the fan. They weren't strangers or anything. Okay. But yeah, it so was just they have a full part harmony. Like, so we can do some old songs the way they should be done. Me yeah, and yeah. went for a stint though, just with us too. I was them. just about to say, I was, yeah, I was, you, you know, know like people, yeah, people, man. Like people loved it because, like you said, the voice familiarity. People want to hear they, my voice. You, very, you, you and Donnell had very distinctive voices. You know, so people was kind of good with hearing us, and then we had the harmonies kind of like piped in, um, and yeah. we sung with them. But the leads right. were all us and stuff like so. We kind of was still making it happen and performing mm -hmm. the energy on stage. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the thing, but we wanted to have that four man thing. Like so, we kind of was like, yo, let's get you know, yeah. you know. It was we was getting the cool money and everything, but we was like, yeah. it was bigger than that. Like, yo, let's, you know. And you so know, you had that you had that nineties resurgence, man, around also around that time when you because you yeah. guys released like three more projects, man. Um, and then you, you got this nineties resurgence, man. Do you think that really helped y'all as far as like continue to go out and tour? Yeah, and it boosted up our royalties, actually. Like people start like whoop, somebody remade an album in Britain and then um, Pentatonic was Jason Derulo remade if I ever yeah, I saw that. Yo, what, what you think about that? I'm gonna be honest. Go ahead, man. I, I, I'm just flattered anytime somebody remake it. Plus, if my royalty checks look good, you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I ain't gonna say that. I ain't gonna say that. I, I mean, you know, it's, it's a different group, it's, it's, it's a different take, it's a different kind of style. It ain't shy, shy, yeah. but to keep it going and keep it alive, and somebody to actually feel a way about ourselves to remake it, I, I big ups like the the young dude Jeremiah. Had yeah. a piece of our song in his dome um, that we that yeah. he put yeah. that in. Yeah. and I, I yeah. like that dude, man. Even if he didn't do that, I like that dude's voice. I like his style. Yeah. I, I, I like, I, man. I like, like I said, man. He's a very he's another one of them brothers. I don't know if that's auto tune or voice nah, correction. Is that boy is bad. Whatever he uses, like I like okay. his voice, man. I like it. I like he's dope. He got a he got something special, man. Like he, something. Okay. About that, that young brother is going. Yeah, he's going. Yeah, he's I gonna, like that. He's going to be a legend. So look, uh, you know, we're going back to 2012, man. So you go ahead and you you get your PhD, man, and, and talk about that, man. Let's talk about that, man. How was that like, man? You know, getting your PhD, African African American studies. Well, that was my master's in African American studies, and I got my PhD in educational policy studies when I became Dr. Bright. But that so, was. Man, let's talk about that. Let's hold on. Let's go. Let's talk about that, man. What? inspired you to just like you know you know how important has your education been in your life man since you you know since the high points the highlights of right. shop, how important has that been to you you know it was very 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 important to me man because I, I was built on that my parents were educators and i was like that was you know put into me at a young young age i, I grew up on college campuses mm -hmm. i was always that was always a side of me that just went without saying mm -hmm. and I was, I was i was a really good student all my life i've always been a real right. top of the Top of my grade. So what I what had happened was as I started beginning to dim and all that kind of stuff, I started my family at that time. And I was living in Tarzana, California, working okay. at a gap. Um, you know, trying to get make sure I had clothes for them growing. I had twin, I had like four boys at the time, they growing up. So I clothes expensive. So I was working at the gap. I got that crazy discount. I was out you know, it was fly clothes, but I was going to <laughs> Cal State Northridge at the time. And I was finishing up what I didn't finish at Howard because I didn't graduate at Howard. I had three, I had two classes left, a creative writing class to go and a gym class swimming. I was not trying to take. But then when I went back to school, 
for my major, you had to have 33 units. So I had to take like three semesters in school. So Cal State Northridge, I was there, and I ended up being a team T. I was teaching while I was a student. Like I ended up um, help creating a class called the Politics of Hip Hop with a, um, Dr. Stanford at the African American Studies Department there. Okay. And, um, you know, I made 4.0, like I had a 4.0 GPA and all that kind of stuff. And then we ended up forming a, a research team where we were created, created a journal called the Hip Hop Think Tank. Where mm. instead of rhyme, we were writing research papers based on the landscape of what hip hop was, misogyny, different issues. Right. And so it was a sexy topic because Tupac had just passed and people mm. was writing about his lyrics in colleges and academics. So we were going to conferences presenting our research and we landed at Georgia State. They saw me present. They were like, yeah, shy or whatever. But that scholar thing that you're doing, bro, we got some room for you if you're trying to come. Okay. So I was teaching high school to California um, at Environmental Charter High School. I was teaching California history for two years. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm not going to have this might be my career. This is like, I just want to get that experience. So I took up on that offer. And um, I, I got a fellowship. They paid my you know, school and stuff to be to be in a master's program, two year program. And while I was there, I, I decided to do my research on African centered education. Like, what exactly is it? And um, mm. I, I did a master's thesis where I really went and did observations. I wrote it up. I had a theoretical framework, and I really did, did the interviews and um, document reviews and stuff like that, and came out with yeah. a, with a real thesis that won the Asa Hilliard Award for my cohort for yeah. best research. And I had a 4.03 GPA during a master's program. So, so if I can get in this PhD program here, but it wasn't a dream of mine. So, but I interviewed and um, I impressed them enough to get put into it. You know, I got accepted into the program. Once again, um, I got a, I ended up with a 4.03 grade point average. With my, yeah. my dissertation won the, uh, the best dissertation award for my cohort. And so I got presented with that award and stuff like that. And I looked at how black males navigate spaces where power is distributed inequitably. And um, I looked at hip hop um, artists and I looked at black male students in the classroom setting. And so that was that, now, whole, you know. Now also, and, and, and this probably is, 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 you know, also associated with that, correct me if I'm wrong. You also created a program, you headed this program yeah. at GSU called IC. I see me. I see me. I create my experience. Yep. Talk about that. This is what I, I really been wanting to, you know, as like I, like I'm, I'm watching your, your your videos, man, on Instagram, and now I see where some of this is coming from. So I want to share to the people a little bit more about this. My man did his research. I love it, man. This is dope. <laughs> so dope. You a dope interviewer, man. Um, so um, so okay. So I'm at Georgia State, and yeah. so you know, usually PhD candidates they they teach. Well, mm -hmm. I did. That too, I taught some classes, but my passion is being non traditional spaces and mm. dealing with a smaller group and actually really, really get that mentorship in and do some real stuff, substantive yeah. things that's not just for show, just for the right, right. Not, so that's me. And so, I see me was born out of I was um, originally pegged to be the facilitator for a program called Beyond the Bricks that came out of New Jersey that was okay. already a program that mm. on identity and dealing with um, multimedia and digital literacy to kind of like create a, a create a counter narrative your own from your own standpoint where black males get a chance to talk about who they are from their own perspective rather mm. than by a media perspective okay. and, uh, but it was a story that they told about their neighborhood and in telling that story they were coming up with solutions on how to fix certain issues within the neighborhood okay. and um mm. I, I thought that was dope so i kind of expounded on that model and created i create my experience 
where I taught some life type of facts based on my experience as a, as a, as a I call it like a, a gorilla educator in the hood, like that I used to do before this. I used to hold my own classes with, um, I had this thing called School of Thought, where I designed these real out-the-box classes that imparted certain skills, trying to figure out the best way to create engagement. So I did some of that and mixed it in with the digital literacy piece in a community mapping project. And I came up with a cool little interface and these, they, they were making visual representations of, we did a, a needs assessment in, in a one mile radius of their neighborhood. And I came up with a concept wow. called life is a text. Like anything that could be encoded or decoded is textual, you can read it. So mm -hmm. life itself, any situation you can read that, it's a text, it's anything that can be decoded. So because it's a text, you can edit that text. You can fix mm -hmm. that. And so based on that premise, they were going out doing a, a, a needs assessment in the neighborhood for hazards and resources that they would agree on and they would fix, but they would film it, film right. stuff, interacting with people who asking them questions about what they would like to see fixed in the neighborhood. And then they would be able to do a score or soundtrack to that documentary that they made. And so that gave their creative side. A lot of them was MC type dudes. They was coming up with tracks to their film. And it was a full engaged thing and they were making these dope narratives and then they will, uh, at the end, the culminating piece was to kind of present it on behalf of those communities to like maybe city council to see if they can get some big issue change. Okay. Um, so we were, you know, I, I was kind of doing that uh, while I was there. It was a rewarding work. I, I have like friendships to this day with some of those right. young men because now they grown, grown. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, peace out to Deshaun and, you know, all, all my homies, phase one and, That's you know, and bam, you know, my people, Jasmine. Yeah. Like a lot of my people's come from that, that, um, that I resonated with. And I had a unique style of teaching where the engagement was really there and the stuff that we were talking about was really, really, you know, really like palatable and they, they, right. they wanted to have discourse about it. And so okay. I thought that certain elements that I was doing was, was, was working as this kind of like new generation kind of teacher that was right. breaking the barriers of what habit training was teaching you to do as a teacher. And I saw a lot of that wasn't working. A lot of those teachers get put in these these urban spaces and get run over because they don't know the difference between I know the content, but you got to right. these these young people. That's a those are two different things. Just because you know right. master the math concepts or whatever, but right. you know how to teach. Right. Um, so that part, I started really going into it. So in, in a, and it still is a part of me. Like I'm doing some work. I'm gonna start doing some work at Texas A and M with this brother, this professor. Okay. We just hit it off and we're going to do some programming hopefully over the summer and like i said i just wrote a paper um um based on some ideas that i had around um you know hip-hop and no um, the paper was hip-hop as a core sample for analyzing shifting urban identity pop politics and how far are you all, how, how far are you with uh uh how far are you with that well i, I finished the little seed concept i'm gonna present it to him um okay. after I came up with you on proof it and send it to him but i had another program, that bridge program, where I created a, a way for universities and high schools to interface more, to, to create a pipeline of students coming to, to become a black um, or African-American studies major, and then right. the who are in African-American studies at the college to become interns and, and mentors to the high school, to where they can right. both use the spaces interchangeably and create programming and become mm -hmm. each other's world. Like, that should have been happening. I'm like, how come y'all? My, my, my fiance, she's a school teacher. That's why I'm... I'm Hell yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad we having this conversation. She's a she's a um, elementary school teacher. Oh, that's the work right there. Especially yeah, fourth, grade. fourth grade is where all of the school and bull crap starts. So she she's really going to enjoy this segment because you know me and her have conversations, and of course she's more knowledgeable about this stuff than I am. But as far as like the curriculum, do you feel like 
these the, the curriculum that a lot of these school uh, that a lot of uh, 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 that a lot of these uh, schools have to follow. Do you feel like it kind of stifles you or teachers as creators, as innovators? What what's your take on that? Oh yeah, for sure. Like um, let me see. Uh, like um, the school system, like edu- the whole. When we talk about that, we talk about stuff like that all the time because she's like you. She's like you. Her, she has this vision of things that she wants to do, but it's like it's in the confines of this and that and this. So you know, expand. Public education as a common, as a common space, only came into existence in the first place because they wanted to teach slaves how to read the Bible. Like mm. literacy became something that the slaves were able to learn after Reconstruction, just just because they wanted people to read, turn the other cheek, and stuff like that in this Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Like, we gotta make sure we gonna make sure you niggas read something, know something. Well, y'all gonna read that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so public education is kind of coming. That power dynamic was already skewed to, to begin with, mm. and like it, at some of the colleges, you know, you, you weren't permitted to teach the science of agriculture and things that were sustainable and stuff like that for the for blacks. They couldn't take those kinds of courses. So education has been habit training. It hadn't been education. Is mm. you know to. Educare, you know, um, it, it hadn't followed the rule. Um, and in the banking model, the deficit model has been too much where teachers feel like the authority and the kids don't know nothing and you just open the head and pour something in. Right. Now, these, these students come to the table with a wealth of experiences that you can't even fathom. They are already a text in your they're a chapter of a book that makes up the class that you hopefully they share with you. Like, right. people have the wrong idea what educational spaces are. Truly educative spaces are student centered. It's around the universe of that person. Mm. And it's got to be dope enough to juggle their skills to, to feed that. And, um, you know, education also, I think what's short-sighted in education is it's way too much emphasis put on, like, getting paper for paper or degree. Like, we, if, if you drop all of us, PhDs and all of us people in the jungle or in the woods, we will know how to survive. We will know nothing. We will just be out there dying because we don't know shit. And so... Like, what is your, who prescribes what knowledge is, is the key, and who can name things is the key to language game. So I feel like the artisan scholar should happen. Like, there should be a vocational technical element where people learn a, a trade as well as be the top math student in STEM and all that. Like, school should come with, when I graduate, I'm going you know, to know how to put up drywall, and I'm going to know how to be a, a, a scientist or mathematician or no, no, no. Oh, I'm gonna know how to cut hair, and I'm gonna know how to be in active spaces and write a research, you know, based paper. Or I'm gonna know how to put up drywall or some electricity. Right. Gotta have some type of balance, you know. Like you need to have a trade, and you need to have vision enough to know how to create a company based off that trade, and do it for yourself, and employ your own people, and and teach them trade so they can do it themselves. But exactly. then it can be fortified with the experiential knowledge of of the core subject matter too, the English, right. the maths. Like those, we're missing, like they look pejoratively on like trades or vocational technical schools. Like, oh, you the one fixing them cars and that trade, folk, folk tech. But them yeah. dudes come out of high school with jobs and they actually apply what they learn in real time and make, like they the ones who were smart. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, right. So, so I'm feeling like education is short-sighted. Also, education should be contoured towards that people's dilemma. Like for mm-hmm. black people, our education in terms of how what we need to kind of navigate society should be full of things that, that have different problem solving aspects to it than just a regular old science. Yeah. We should have that. Right, plus. Right. 
Solution. We said things that's that's that that things that are connected to our culture, you know, our culture and our unique situation within the larger America. Like we should have a solutions class, right? Uh, right. Manifestations class, where the whole impetus is to begin something and end right. something. Whether it's lunch, whether it's watching a llama bean grow to fruition, or whether it's a project that you start and just so just just to complete it, or making a track. Let me see you finish right. it. Like some beginning and finishing the job, like that should be a class so people do can you, have that follow through. Do you do you feel like a lot of the like a part a, a huge part of the educational system is kind of like culturally or socially biased? Oh yeah, of course, because of the way it came into existence is is because of a culturally biased concept. You know, it, it's never to 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 grow lifelong learners who can who truly understand um, what they're learning to utilize it. It's to plug them into a you know, school is an economy of scale that the product of which plugs into the workforce that's already set up. Which kind of worker are you going to be? Well, right. what about owner? What about, you know what I mean? What kind of owner are you going to be? Like, right, you know, right. It's designed to keep you in a subordinate status in the class right. class structure. And class is racialized. Right, right. Like, you know, school is like this lab, this factory that spits out subordinate people. Exactly. No, it's, it's like a, a, a lack of autonomy. Yeah, and then even at my level, the, the so-called PhD, we got to cite and reference old dead white dudes, like you know, to, to validate what I. If I got a unique thought, if ain't nobody else said it, and I can't cite them, then it's not valid. Like that's just reiterating and reifying the power dynamic. You know what right. I mean? That's why I try to do everything entrepreneurially, and I try to think outside the box and bring knowledge to it every day. That's what community. Um, Collage, my collage um, podcast is really based on is bringing things that I know that I've learned, mm-hmm. uh, not even as a source of authority, but just like I have to be the fly on the wall to get that kind of knowledge. Like, oh, right, right. With my peoples, and I'm gonna do it in a way to where they don't even realize that's what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So that's amazing, bro. That's, that's what this should be about because um, yeah. knowledge is diffuse. Nobody owns knowledge. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody has a perspective and an aspect that right. learn. Like life is a text for real. Like you and me right now. We're right. the for this class, and you are one chapter, and I'm one chapter. If mm-hmm. I want to share my chapter and open up, you get to learn from what I'm talking about. And if I shut up and let you tell me, I get to learn from your chapter. And together, this book is unique to us too. I don't, right. I, I, I'm enriched. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's that's how I look at teaching too. It seemed like you know that's that's uh, I, brother. I really man, this 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 conversations like this, these things that that. I feel more brothers like ourselves, man, especially people within our community. We should have these, more of these conversations because oh, these things oh. are very, very stimulating, you know, not just to our minds, but also to our spirits, man. But it seems to me that it that as technology, as you know, advances, a lot of times they kind of put everything into it without factoring a lot of the conditions that a lot of us go through. So. You know, with the, do you do you see things that way? Is that it, 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 to me, it seemed like sometimes they ignore where certain people come from and the yes, type of that they come from. And even conversations that I have with like my my fiance, who's a teacher. So I'm, again, this is just things yeah, that I'm, I'm loving that man. Like that's some good stuff y'all talk about because I really do feel like education is detached from history, but it's on purpose. It's ahistorical and it's actually anti-intellectual. It's obey. It's creating smart obeyers. It's not critical thinkers. It's not creating people who are looking outside the box to find solutions or looking within to find solutions. It's right. the script. Where's the template? 
you know, and then I can I can I can do 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 do, do within that template. Right, right. You ever been in, you ever been to a drive through in a, in a in a um like a restaurant and down yeah. and yeah. you make sure that you tell them like what you want, mm -hmm. um, but if it's something that's actually not in the script of what they're dealing with. They, you would tell them I'm on a large such and such and such, and, and, they, and they would act like they can't do it. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll ask you, so um, what size did you want? Like, because you said that out of the order, you said that first. Oh, so okay, okay, my so, okay. Like, so what's yeah, yeah. like? They didn't even compute that because it's template driven. They off that template, and if it don't come in that order, yeah, so, like they program. Yeah, and that's what and see in words like program are the a program as a noun that does the verb programs program you. Mm. And, so it's three different versions of that. Like I just went to a PhD program where on the other side of it, it's supposed to create this thing on the other side. But I go through this program to become what to become programmed. Okay. Then you got like a TV program that you watch it. It programs you because you're watching the behavior patterns in the mm -hmm. name of how people respond to stimuli. And then you and you inculcate that into your daily life. Like. And so right. then you got like like if you go to an event, they give you a program. You read that to know how to govern yourself to, to in that space, a church program. Yeah, you yeah. happen or any kind of program, you know, it programs you no matter what. So that those landmine types of situations are like we gotta look critically at the language game because once you get right. to name something, you get to bring the power dynamic from naming it to the fork to the fray. And then you can you can operate and you have to accept other cultures naming right. You also have to like I I give you one like um like the word I'm a scholar so oftentimes I have to use the word analyze sound mm -hmm. fancy it's something that you do after you do the research it's a post breakdown but mm -hmm. go back to the Latin roots of languages and then the cultures of in the, in the Latin world that were largely like you know fixated on like you know like it was a lot of I hate to you know I don't want to piss off nobody but there was a fixation with like um. Same gender, sex, and stuff like that, and it was. Nah, I mean, for real, I mean, brothers. Oh, man, to, already, I'm already hit, bro. Like, like I have to, I have to use a, 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 yeah. a reference to the booty or the ass for the scholarly term analyze the back end of my research. Down in the back end, they chose the biological pivot for to name that. Now I got to use that because I didn't get to name that concept, but now I got to use uh, anal subconsciously. They're programming you. And I'm saying though, there's a lot of those things all over that we know how it's used, but we're not looking at where it comes from and what it actually is. Right, yeah, right. and those are the, that's the places where power hides. Because mm -hmm. anything you're holding is common sense is the highest form of marketing, you know, um, because you it is what it is. Once you get to it, it is what it is, and nobody's critically looking at it no more and looking under that rock, yeah. you're to it at all times. Mm. All right, if I pick up anybody, you know, no, no, nah, nah, I mean, I mean, these are things that, that you can research and you can see yeah. through, through again by analyzing, you can see that these things are facts, you know. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure these are this is something that you didn't have to go, you don't have to go to college, you don't have to get pro this this is your you can research these things. Hell yeah, you can peep that yourself. You can but yourself. a lot of those types of traps that are in the language game that are like Man, it's just like you know, it's yeah. so many things. There's so many things like that, yeah. that are power dynamics that are hegemonic devices that are just right there in your face that you know. Okay. You know. So you so at this at this time, you uh, are you currently teaching at this time now? No, no, no. I'm not. I I, I, I do programs. That's 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 my pivot. Like I create programs rather than teach. But um, like this brother with Texas A&M, we might be doing something. We might be a summer institute type okay. of thing coming up um, with some of the ideas and stuff that I have. Because I'm 
you know, I'm in Houston now. And so I'm, oh. getting, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with university. So I'm just, I'm just now getting myself positioned to be able to enter that academic space and be Dr. Wright here. Um, but I'm also doing creative stuff. Like I just wrote a book, a uh, fiction piece called okay. 3013. It's coming out in March. It's an audio okay. book. And it's like, um, it's a combination between, if you can imagine, like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars, and Beach Street. Right. Wow. Like, yeah, you, 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 you threw me for a loop on that one, right? <laughs> and hip hop is believed to be a white cultural product. In, in mm. and I'm and I'm I'm dealing with all like a lot of you know it's dope though it's it's crazy. Damn, you have always been like you have always been this deep even like back in your days at Howard. Like I remember, I, I know you, you used to roll with the nation and you know because a lot of us man. And I don't know how many interviews you have done, and I've watched interviews. I just never really seen anyone tackle these subjects in any other interviews, man. Yeah, you you, know? you, you, you allowing that like you tapping into it, so I'm I'm giving it to you because you you tapping in. So I appreciate I've, that. I've always been this guy. Like if you ask people yeah. at Howard who knew me, they'll tell you, you know. They, yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> so I want hey, so so ladies, this is not just a, a, a good looking brother that can sing, man. This is a brother that has. Some Thank brains, you. man, has some intellect, man. So this ain't just eye candy, you know. Oh, man. I you know, you I, 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 like I said, man, I vividly remember those days, man, with girls, they ready to, they they throwing elbows and kicking and everything, trying to get to the stage where you used to come up and sing, man. So it's, I appreciate, you know, showing another side to you, brother. And I, I, I really believe, I really feel. Well, I appreciate you, man. And giving me the latitude to kind of express some of these these thoughts and concepts, you know, bring it out, nah, bro. Nah, man, I definitely want to. We definitely got to uh, 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 stay locked, man. I definitely want to tap into what you got going on, man. And you know, um, I, again, I appreciate the opportunity you 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 being here. And so again, we could call you Doctor Barfield, <laughs> Doctor Wright. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't force people to say I'm not one of them, but I am Doctor Bright, you know, for sure. Yeah. Not honorary, but I earned it. I did a dissertation. Hey, brother, you put in the work, man. So look, I, I'm gonna respectfully give you that, man. It's it's rare. I don't I don't know any other artist, singer, pan, to my knowledge, man. That is a a doctor. So you know, I was I, I, did, was, I did some research on that to see because I, after you know I did it. Um, yeah. Only one artist that I that I found, and uh, it's a white dude that actually got a dope voice. You remember the white group named Journey? The group. Of course, Steve Perry. Perry and is a doctor. He became Steve doctor. Perry. Yeah, bro, that's one of my favorite bro, singers of all time, man. He has. He's like the white Sam Cooke, man. Well, that boy is bad. Yeah, that boy bad dude. But yeah, he became a doc. He became a doctor, man. For sure. I had no idea, man. Like you, I've, I've learned a lot, man. I feel like the fans is going when they when this interview drop, which it will be dropping very soon, and I'm gonna let you know when it's dropped because I appreciate it. You can, you know, go ahead and. Promote this thing, and this is epic oh, right yeah. here. I, I told you, yeah, for sure. This, this is a moment for me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm keeping all of this composure, man. Oh <laughs> man, I'm, I'm flattered, bro. Like, yeah, for real, man. I'm just, I'm reflecting. This is, from, this is coming from, brother. I'm a heterosexual male, bro. But I remember, man. Like, yo, I remember that those times, man. Like, this brother is making these women go crazy, man. So they gonna love this one, man. But again. <laughs> It's not just for the ladies, man. This is this is for the fans, man. We love your music, man. You, man. We love it. And, and and the great songwriter that Shy has uh you know has brought to the music culture, man. You guys are legends, man. 
And for me, you know, uh, representing Bridging the Generation podcast, man, we, we love you guys, man. Go podcast, man. bro. Yeah, we, we love you, man. So, again, you know, it's been a pleasure, brother. Before we get out of here, man, can I get a Bridging – can I get, like, a, a drop, man, like a Bridging the Generation podcast shout-out, brother? Yeah, you mean just say, like, right here? So um, whatever you think of, um, you know, because whatever you, you know. Let me see him. Um, put you on by yourself. Hold on, I'm going to put you on the screen by yourself. Hold on. Oh, no. Um. Yo, this is your boy Garfield on Bridging the Gap Podcast. It's the dope number one show. Y'all need to check it out. Stay locked. Peace. Hey, one more time. Hey, I hate to do this, man. It's bridging the generations. Oh, my bad. Bridging yeah, generations. I'm gonna edit. I'm gonna edit all this shit. I'm oh, I edit do all this. Shit. I do yeah, yeah. Hold oh, on. Let me, let me take you off. Peace. This is your boy Garfield on Bridging the Generations podcast. Chilling. Make sure y'all tune in and keep it locked because it's the dopest podcast out there. That's word. Peace, brother. Man, hey man, I really appreciate that, brother. That was that was awesome, man. This this is one of those interviews, man, that's gonna go in the vaults, man. I'm gonna relish this one right here, brother. <laughs> it's it's been amazing, man. I just I remember, you know, when I hit you up, brother, you was very authentic, man. And you know, you're one of those artists, man. You know, you can't judge a book by its color, you know, by its cover, man. You can't think because somebody is you know, is you see, you perceive them as this way. Is we're programmed to, like, you know, yeah. talking to, you know, after having this conversation with you. A lot of times, we're programmed to think certain things about each other, man. And this conversation just really, you know, uh, awoken my sensibilities, man, as far as um, how I perceive people, man. Because you, you That's definitely, dope. you taught That's me a lot, brother. I learned a lot uh, having this, you know, having these conversations. I feel like the people are, are as well, man. So I appreciate you, man. You know. For, 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 giving me all the good stuff to, to even give you what I gave you. So, and big up to your wife, man, the educator over there. Tell her to keep persevering and yeah. doing the thing, man. You know, love it. No doubt, no doubt. Well, look, man, this is Malak Arif. We got Dr. Garfield Bright of the legendary group Sha, and we out of here, man. Peace. Peace. <laughs> all right, bro. Peace, my brother. Stay up. Done. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I just ended it. I just ended it. Okay. Hey, bro, I just want to say this, man, before you get out of here, bro. Man, that was an amazing. That's my best <laughs> interview, brother. This is my best interview, bro. I can take the headphones off, man. This... Man, thank you, brother. Man. This one, I'm not even gonna lie, bro. I was nervous, man. <laughs> Yo, like, bro, like, listen, listen. I've interviewed a lot of these dope, these rappers and Dope artist, man. I'm on. I'm. I'm. This is my 40th interview. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I know. I just started in October, brother. I just started in October. Oh, bro, you in the mood, man? I started October the sixth, man. But when it comes to these interviews, when I get to interview the cats, cause that I grew up listening to, these was hit different, man. These I was hit different. Like you don't know, brother. You do not know how much your music means to me, man. I hope I. You know, I was holding back, man. And I really wanted to just like really go in, but you know what I'm saying? I can't do that, man. I gotta be professional, man. But brother, these two projects, man, bro, they got me through some 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 tough times in my life, man. The good and bad. I'm glad that they did that. Like I I'll never get used to hearing that kind of stuff, because that's what it was for, man. You know what I mean? Like 
Uh, you just know you. I don't think you understand, bro. Like I think you understand because you've heard it probably a million times. But bro, I am a diehard. Bro, I've had this CD since 1995. That's crazy. I've man. had this. Of course, it's 92. I got this a year late. I got this on my birth. I got this on my birthday in uh, January of 93. Wow. So a, mu a month later, I've had this ever since. It's cracked and dusty. It's dusty, and it probably. Scared. It probably it probably is, it skips a little bit or whatever, but these are the originals, man. These are the originals. So wow, um, I would if it's any brother, I would really appreciate it, man. If I could just oh, give me a PO box, bro. Like you, you know, know what I'm saying? Want, I, you got you? Can you write my? You want to write my address down, or you can just yeah? You know, I ain't trying to get all personal, bro. But you can give me a PO box or whatever, bro. Nah, like nah, I, I, I just got a home address. Like I just give you my, you know, tell me. Right, yeah, I'm ready. Got the big pencil out. Look at. <laughs> yeah, brother, this is a moment for me, man. You don't understand, brother. Okay, it's, it's 15015. Man, it is an honor, man, to be able to chop it up with you, brother. This is absolute. This is, I keep saying, this is my best interview, brother. <laughs> and this is my 40th interview. This is officially my 40th. This has been my best, man. Like, I really feel like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm moving in the right direction, man. If I can continue to get dope artists like yourself, man. You know, um, on, man, you, you got something, man. You got something. Keep you just think being, so? Yeah, my, you just keep being you, man. Well, your name, the name is Master, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, you know, and yeah. forty chapter forty is um, the believer, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I saw symbolic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know the math <laughs> and all that, man. Yeah, I, I, I had a little. I dabbled with the with the with the nation, man, a little bit, man. So I, I respect all of that, man. I got I got a you know I don't know how deep you into that now, but Brother, I, I've been through all of that, man. I, I've had my. Nah, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you got a powerful. Yeah. Talk, man. yeah, my son. I named my son. My son is named. He got the same name. So, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Really? I named him first. I named him first. And then I changed my name. Wow. That's crazy. Have you ever heard that before? Oh, that's so crazy. It's yeah, no I, I like, you know, because I just, I, I, I said, man, I'm. I'm going to re. I'm going to reinvent myself, man. Like that old, my, my, my previous name was Marvin. You know what I'm saying? And I said, man, that person is dead. So mm -hmm. I'm the master of my destiny. That's you know so what I'm saying? So if I give my son, if he the master, I definitely got to be the master. You know what I'm saying? So that's, it's been, that's, man, that's, that's crazy right there. Bro. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, so brother, not going to hold you, man, but man, this is, this has been an honor, man. I can't wait. I was going to think about holding on to this one, man, but I can't, bro. I can't. I got to let this one fly, man. I got to let this one fly because I want to go in a different direction. I know you, you, you know, you talk about hip hop and, um, but what I'm trying to do, man, I'm trying to bridge the gap between hip hop and rhythm and blues, man. Like, I don't feel like people are really like, like for some reason, and maybe you can, maybe you see it differently, man, but it just seems like brothers man they don't love rhythm and blues like they once did man i don't right. understand it like yeah. when back in the day man i remember when you guys was out bro it was you it was foos niggas positive Ooh. k Kim, like all of y'all got love man like it wasn't really no separation man right. Right. like nowadays if you're not doing uh rhythm and blues uh if you're not doing uh uh r&b that don't that that has this hip hop texture to it, like they not they right. not fucking with you, and I don't like that. Yep. This is like it gotta that. be a distinction, man. I was just talking to um what uh um, Steve uh Steve um oh, from, from True. True. I yep. just interviewed him. And we had a great uh conversation. He's a great writer too. And and 
Yeah, yeah, man. Um, and 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 he brought that up as well, man. So it's just like, man, like yeah, you as a vocalist, true. man. You you are like a real vocalist in the way that you broke down. I thought I know music, man, but the way that you was breaking down as focus as far as like uh uh the intricacies, man, of, of singing and stuff like that, man. I I really appreciate that. That's really good content, man. And that's what I really want to bring forth as I as I go further, man. I want people to know, man, that like. Hip hop comes from rhythm and blues, man. It comes from blues, man. so we can't forget. We can't forget about artists like yourself, man. That's that's legend that put that laid it down. What you what you guys accomplished, bro? It can never be taken away from y'all, brother. Big ups, man. You guys are concrete, bro. That shit is set in stone, bro. It's like I don't care. Twenty years, thirty years, when you're on the ground, when I'm in the ground, bro. These songs are going to be played, bro. That's crazy, man. That's so crazy to think yeah. about. I know I could be long-winded, man, but I just had to say that, bro. Like this, I appreciate it. I appreciate all of it, man. And you yeah, know, it's, it's, I, it's, thank you for that energy, man. And um, shoot, I, holler at me anytime. You got my math and you got my connection. Yeah, no doubt, no you doubt, know, man. On the successes and stuff too, man. Like you got a dope interview that you did that you just want to let let me know that like, yo, I just interviewed like, dope to holler at me. <laughs> nah, man, I appreciate. It. I, I don't want to. I, I try not to be like you know too personal with cats, man. And, and I don't like to be, you know, I try not to be starstruck, but bro, like I, I wouldn't say I'm starstruck, but bro, like I appreciate what you do. I, I like what you, you know, what you guys have accomplished, man. I appreciate the work and the craft that you guys put into your music, man. Yeah. And, and then knowing that you as a human being is a real dude, like you just not some <laughs> celebrity, like you are, you actually a, 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 a human that got real emotions and yeah. the way that the outlook on life that's beyond what was thrown in our face as far right. as being celebrities and public yeah. figures, man. Like you are you a genuine dude, man. And Thanks, I appreciate man. that, man. The music is gonna it's gonna resonate more. It's gonna resonate that's more. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. Well, that's the yeah. highest compliment you can pay me, man. It's, it's for real. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, man. You know, nah, bro. Yeah, me and my fiance, we probably watch this interview tonight, man. We probably or maybe tomorrow, man. I just I wanna she's gonna be man, she's gonna be mind blown when we get to the, the part about the education because again she's about to she's trying to be a vice principal Ooh, administrator yeah, yeah. Administrator. So, yeah. so she's go she's gonna love it man she's a diehard fan man and i would you know if it wouldn't be too much bro like when we about to get married man like I, i'll play for your ticket and everything <laughs> you know what i'm saying but if it ain't too much yo like just give me a little price, man. Please don't. You ain't got to hit me over the head, but I can I can pay for the room and the, and the plane ticket. But I, I would love for you to like sing at our wedding, man, if it ain't too much, bro. Well, I, I definitely, you, you in D.C.? Yeah, just think about it. You ain't got, you know what I'm saying? You're a busy man. Just, just let me know when y'all getting closer to it, because I got to definitely check my, my, what I'm going to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to I, I don't want to be that guy, man. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, popping up and doing that for you, man. It's a little something and stuff like that. I wouldn't hit you over the head. I would just go up there for the, put me in a room or something, you know what I'm saying? I would even, you know, just, I just sing something. Or if it came down to me, I'd just do something FaceTime if I can't be there or something. That would that work, brother. That would work, man. Yeah, I, hate, I, I hate to be that guy, man, that asks for stuff like that, man, but, you oh, know. That's all good, man. Just keep me talking about the successes and stuff, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to know that you're doing good and stuff. No doubt, brother. Well, look, man, it's been an honor. I'm not going to hold you up any later, uh, brother. Thank you, brother. Love you, brother. And you Thank have a good you, night. Man. Peace, yes, bro. Peace.